following is KPB MediaWorks production. Choose your fighter. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of KPB Cast, guys. Raphael here. DZ Kajuko here. Did I say that right? Uh, Kajaku, but K- close K- enough. <laughs> better better than better than I've heard most people say it. <laughs> you know what, from now on I'll just say DZ. <laughs> now, nah, you know, this is uh, everybody's favorite content creator, especially for KOF. In fact, he's your favorite your favorite content creator's favorite content creator. That's a fact. You know, where the Japanese are even using his own tech. <laughs> Thanks for joining yeah. me, man, today. I really appreciate it. Of course, it. of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm partway nerd, partway nervous, and uh, partway excited. But you know, <laughs> what you gotta be nervous for, man. I don't know. I just, I just, um, this is probably the second podcast I've done. Uh, no, yeah, second one that was like it was just me. Normally, I do like the roundtable stuff with like Dream Cancel and stuff, right. and um, you know, when it when it's just me and the other person it's just like oh man like there's, there's no one to fill the dead air but me <laughs> speaking of dream cancel man i remember when that website first launched it was amazing i mean you know it's uh been quite a few years since it opened up and obviously the yeah, traffic is it's... a little bit low you know not what it used to be but you know it, uh who is still active over there i'm assuming just the mods um it desmond's still active and we've got um we've got a group of people who are actively working on the um the wiki for KOF 15 right um we right now i know nas just came out so we're we're still working on filling out the details on her page um but it's still a community effort so i mean you know it's obviously the mods you know double check everything for accurate information and stuff like that but you know if if anybody out there wants to contribute to the the KOF 15 uh wiki feel you know if if your information's accurate feel free to do so you know a lot of people always say discord was one of the reasons why a lot of forums are dying uh, specifically gaming forums mm-hmm. um with dream cancel obviously it's a lot of information i mean nocturnal and those guys, uh, their Wikipedia for Garou is still like one of the best, and the information in there is yep. just still utterly amazing. Mm-hmm. But do you do you still find that some people eventually stumble across the website? I mean, is it still the website to go to when it comes to information regarding SNK games, or in this case specifically KOF? So obviously, we have the frame data table that um you know that Amido made and. Like that, like uh, I know they. I think there's a mod out there for like a hitbox viewer and things like that. And you know, the, the problem that, like, going back to what you said about Discord taking over forums, is that a lot of information is not condensed into one place. Yeah, you're right. Which is which is why we try to keep the wiki. At, like, even if you know the Dream Cancel forums aren't as active, or or if the, you know, or Discord servers aren't as active, or whatever the case may be, we at least try to keep the wiki active, because if someone's just trying to get into the game, whether it be KOF 15, 14, or whatever. Somebody didn't we, want to say 13? Uh, well, 13 too, you know, now, now, that, the, now, that, the rollback is, <laughs> now that the rollback is starting to come out, uh, you know, that's a good it's a good resource. I have a tumultuous relationship with 13, but I still support, you know, the game getting a, a, a modern people. update. We'll get it, to that later. Th- yeah, the game has a modern update, and it deserves it. But um, that, you know, regardless of the situation, 
there's not there's not a lot of places for information to be condensed because like yeah you have the Twitter hashtags yeah you have content creators on YouTube yeah you've got you know people posting in uh like because I noticed that like the massive like hub discords for any individual game like they have the individual channel for every character yeah you could put stuff there but someone a lot of people don't want to go through all that they don't want to go through like three four five different avenues to get the information that they need to get into a game or to improve at a game we try to keep that wiki active and updated people have at least a good place to start and i know a lot of people you know people get a lot of complaints like oh i don't want to play this game because it's a discord fighter and you know even though the most popular games in the world are still technically discord fighters because guess what the best of the best usually play in groups on discord uh, um <laughs> but be, but you know regardless, regardless so yeah like we 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 try to keep at least keep that active like i know we haven't been super active with like our dream cancel live series or posting up the the news articles on the website but that wiki is like it's like it's like our baby like a, a matter of fact i think contributions to that wiki are spread across like at least to my knowledge like two or three different discords because you know we have like the main dream cancel discord and then we have like the north america k 15 discord where we have a channel specifically for wiki contribution you know or updates like i know i know a couple months ago there was a day where like like the wiki crashed or something like there was like oh like, oh, every, like, all, all, like all the pages were blank you know but, like not not even like not even like 30 minutes after i pinged someone in that like in that server like hey like something's going on with the pages it was back online so you know there, there are people okay. actively paying attention to it to make sure that that's updated crisis averted thank god exactly it didn't yeah last for four weeks so it's only half right. an hour anybody will take that and and especially for a game like KOF, like if, if people are trying to get not just KOF but any fighting game, if people are trying to get into a fighting game and they can't easily find information either, whether it be frame data or a tier list or, you know, just general information on how characters move works, they're gonna drop the game. They're gonna be like, you know what, I don't of feel course. like dealing with this. I'm gonna go play what I'm what I know already. Do you know if all the information from SRK ever got archived? When SRK went down, I, that's what everybody. Oh my god! What I mean, that's years, decades I, of that. Yeah, that's a lot of information. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if SRK got because I didn't have a. Oh, excuse me, I didn't have a hand in that, so I don't know if it got archived properly. I know, I know a lot of SRK pages were uh kind of meme worthy. Like I still, <laughs> I still remember the. Uh, I think it was the ninety eight <laughs> page for mature, and oh, it had yeah. like a picture of Marilyn Monroe on it or something like that. <laughs> It, it was it was it was a mess. It was it was a mess, but like the information as far as like frame data and move properties was accurate. So we kind of just it was kind of like a tongue in cheek joke among the community, and we just kind of let it rock. Yeah, I don't know. If, what about Super Combo? Is Super Combo still up? You know, that's a good question. I haven't been to that website in quite a long time. Me, you know, yeah, me just either. In general, I haven't been to any of those websites. They have they have a wiki though. Is Event Hub still by far the most active, quote-unquote, FGC website there is? Uh, for news reporting, I yeah. would say it's up there. I know I know Dexatero is kind of trying to edge into FGC a little bit, but they're more general gaming and, yes, yes. as an FGC focus. I, I can't think of any outside of Event Hubs. No, yeah, it's a super combo, like you said. Like, I, like, I, I have not been there in forever. It was yeah, a fun I, little website. Um, and you know what? Now that I think about it, I only ever go to Event Hubs for quote-unquote, like, you know, news reporting regarding the FTC if it's not another smash list that, you know, 
I, that's I all usually, they talk about, it seems. I only go there in passing to, like, see, like, oh, this major just happened that I didn't go to, and this is, like, the results page. and like, But, like, the general news reporting, I, I, I usually... Usually it's stuff that I already hear about on Twitter. I, I keep my I keep my ear to the to the uh, or X whatever you want to call it. Uh, I keep my ear to the streets when it comes to the social media stuff. So you know, okay, I usually call it Twitter, man. <laughs> yeah, Facebook is quote unquote Meta. Twitter yeah, is it's X. Still, Let's it's be still honest, Twitter nobody Facebook. calls it that stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, I keep I keep my ear to the street with social media stuff with the FTC, and uh, usually once by the time a, by the time a website is reporting on it i usually either know all about it or i've heard about it in passing and i can decide like yeah i don't feel like reading about this I, is I twitter the number one place for ftc news or in this case discord to know what's going on I, uh, i'm not going to i'm not going to sit here and say i'm a big time social media user i'm really right not. right right but ever since i've been on twitter I noticed that there's way more talking on Twitter than there is on anything else. I, I don't so, know if Instagram has a chat feature. I know TikTok is only videos. But yeah. again, it, it's Twitter so, the de facto place for the FGC. It's the main place a lot of people go to to learn stuff cuz cuz so so the thing the thing about Twitter is that almost cuz I know I know a lot of people in the FGC who deleted their Twitters and they're, you know, they're they just they just keep they just browse online or yeah. use Facebook or whatever. Yeah, they lurk exactly. But it the the thing about Twitter and, and is that everybody's there for the most part. Like mo- most of the most influential people are there. Yes, a lot are. of the a lot of the TOs are there. A lot of the uh you know a lot of the top players in insert game here are there. And that's the biggest problem with a lot of these other websites that are coming out of the blue, like to be like. Twitter alternatives like Threads, Blue Sky, what have you. The problem is that not everybody's there. So until like there's not a there's not a like a universal agreed upon exit strategy right. if if Twitter, you know, goes off the deep end, which it kinda already has, but that's a different conversation for another time. People but, but only yeah, really so, start migrating to other places when the big names do it. Exactly. But the problem with that is that even the big names aren't universally going to the same place. No, you're right. Like, you're absolutely right. You know, like we had, like we had, like I mentioned Blue Sky, I mentioned Threads. Uh, we had the FGC Network thing that, you know, I, I think that's on Mastodon, I want to say it is. Right. You know, and everybody was hyping that up for a while, but then after a couple of weeks, I haven't heard a peep about that anymore. So it's like, there's, there's, there's no agreed upon place. And the problem with Twitter is that yeah, we can get a lot of information, we can get a lot of news there, but it's also the number one place where discourse happens. And digging through all that, trying to find relevant info, it, it's kind of grating. Like, nobody wants to doom post on, or not doom post, uh, doom scroll on Twitter for two or three hours trying to figure out, it, it's it's basically an episode of, like, what you mad about today, you know? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it, it's it, it's always something. Like, 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 right now, I know people are up in arms about, you know, the song they used before Evo Finals, the KOF was like, oh, you know, well, I don't like reggaeton. It's like, okay, well, that's just you. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> some people thought it was cool. Some people didn't. That, that That's music in a nutshell. Like, We're going to get to Evo later on. Yeah, let's but talk. Yeah. In general, I will say one thing, and maybe this is what you're getting at, and it's not just the FGC. The gaming community in general mm-hmm. is very fickle. They only really stick to one thing, and when there's a better alternative... Sure, people will hype it up for a bit, but then we just move on. It's like, ah, let's just go back to where we feel more comfortable. Right. I mean, perfect example. Uh, 
Oh, Jesus. What was the uh, Microsoft uh, streaming thing that Ninja became the big sponsor uh, for? Uh, was it not Kick? It was... No, Kick. Uh, actually, Mixer. I just found... What was it called? Mixer, I think. Yeah, Mixer. Everybody basically agreed that Mixer offered way more, way better technology compared to, um, to Twitch. And not even Ninja could make that thing work. Everybody's just like, oh, okay, cool, but then they all just went back to Twitch. It just that, that's it's, just it's, what the gaming community it's, does. It's too comfortable, and um, and like I, like I was saying before about Twitter, it's just like they, they like certain platforms just have a kind of a, a chokehold on on online communities because oh, yes. it's not it's it's difficult to get everyone on board. I think that's it, that's just going to be like the only way that uh, mass migration is going to work out for streaming discussion whatever is if one of those platforms go down which you know i don't want them to i'm not going to prey on any company's downfall but it's just like that's the only way that things will really change that's a big undertaking yeah exactly it's a big undertaking because before before twitter was a thing facebook groups and and and, uh and group chats were like the big thing oh yes and and they got they kind of still are depending on the community that you're a part of like like i'm from philly we still have our philly fgc uh facebook group and it's still active you know what i mean so you know if you don't want to be on twitter there are other places it's just that not everybody has a facebook not everybody has a twitter it it, so even now it's kind of hard to like say like oh yeah everybody's in one place which is why a lot of CEOs and and other you know community pillars that like to announce stuff they have those multiple avenues like okay I'm gonna post the same link on three or four different websites and I'm gonna talk about it on my Twitch because that's the best way to get visibility and you know even with uh with, you know you mentioned the content creation when I make stuff for my YouTube I usually instead of just saying like oh I'm just gonna put it on YouTube and post a link on Twitter posting a link on Twitter the algorithm is going to kick you in the butt and nobody's going to see it. So what I do is I put the video directly to Twitter and I use the proper hashtags and everything. And then right in the first reply, I put the YouTube link. So, you know, if you, if you don't want to, if you don't want to bookmark it, if you don't want to rely on, on Twitter as your archive, Hey, go to, you can go to YouTube. You can put it in your favorites list or whatever playlist, whatever you want to do. Do you not use Instagram or TikTok? I use Instagram and TikTok. Um, I actually just started being more active on Instagram recently. I've been posting about uh, like my Evo experience and everything like that. TikTok, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly I want to put on there, only because it's it's just video focused. Like yeah. Instagram, Instagram. If I want to put a short video, if I want to put a photo and like put a little caption on it, I can do that. You know, obviously there's Twitter. You could where you could just like put whatever video, you know, media or not, but tiktok is like okay i have to like i think my only tiktok i have on there is like a really clean round that i had in the kof match and like that was it and i was like oh yeah this is a two-touch character like that's the only video i have right now i i i want to put more i'm thinking of like when i do my when i do my little shorts to just like give tips and tricks on the characters that i think i'll start putting those on tiktok as well but yeah i'm still feeling out the platform because i I just literally i want to say within the last I want to say the last month, maybe month and a half, is like I just made my TikTok account. I just put my first video up, so you know we're 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 work that that's a work in progress. But um, Instagram I'm starting to be more active on. Uh, Twitter is like my main the main place where I am, and uh, YouTube I'm still throwing stuff up every now and then. I kind of try to cycle through different things. Like all right, here's a combo video, here's a compilation, here's a tip, here's match, you know, archives, little things like that. 
January 20th, 2023. DZ says, KOF literally saved me from being a waste of space in my life. <laughs> a few minutes later, CYS, and for people who don't know, that's uh, Chris, Yashiro, and Shermie, yep, were the closest thing that I had to friends when I was a kid. So KOF is dear to me. Around what time in your life did these things mean the most for you? Um, it was when Is there I was... a certain age, uh, you know, that you felt these two things to be 100% true? I'm going to say around like seven and eight. I was a kid when I first started playing KOF. But I started with 96. It was in a, um, it was on a cabinet in a check cashing place. You know, asked my dad for a couple of quarters and I ended up playing it and I just couldn't put it down. But when it came time to, when I was asking him for the game for, uh, what was it, Christmas, um, he couldn't find 96. Well, no, he found 96, but then the, the, apparently the shopkeeper was just like, oh, well, get 97. It just came out. It's better, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, I didn't know there would be roster differences and stuff like that, so that's the one he brought home. But, you know, I was grateful, and I still played it to death. And, um, you know, as a kid, I, you know, I had, you have, you know, I had my school acquaintances and stuff like that, and, you know, I had family members, like, you know, cousins and stuff like that that I got along with, but I didn't really have like close friends that shared all the mutual interests that I had. Right. My mom played video games with me and you know, my, uh, I had a cousin that played video games with me, but they weren't as deep into the hobby as I was. And it was very casual for them. It was very casual for them. And for me, it was a lot more than that because it kept, it, it, it was like I could be somewhere else. I could be someone else. Not to say that I'm not, I'm not proud to be myself, but sometimes you just want to escape, you know? Like, you just want to step out of real life for a second and just have a good time. Well, us 90s kids, uh, you, I, I'm a little bit older than you. Right. Um, it's like reading, it was like reading a good book. People exactly. who read books are able exactly. to escape into this uh, wonderful fantasy world that's and, uh, created by these things. Video games, was that for us? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, a lot... But those three three characters in particular, like, they just, I don't know, they just kind of caught my eye right away as I'm learning more about them. And, you know, like, it's the the mid-90s, so the internet's not, like, readily available. But, you know, as years progressed, like, you know, we started to get, you know, our first computers in our houses and things like that. And, you know, as I started to do research, and I was just like, wow, these characters are really cool. And after a while, it just felt like these guys are my friends. I used them the most. I it got to the point where like every now and then I was adopting their mannerisms. Like I I just felt like these these characters are near and dear to me because they felt like it felt like they were there for me when like I was kind of just like in a shell just going day to day not even thinking about how I was going to make myself happy. You know, you kind of touched on it, but I want to go back a little bit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What was it about them? Was there the aesthetics? Especially in a game that has so many characters like KOF does. I mean, even in 96, I believe there's about 30 characters. Yeah. Th- Why like, those three specifically? Those three stand- stood out to me because, it, like, the team dynamic. It was just like, okay, they're a band. So that's, that's already, like, left field for a fighting game because it's just like... Cause, you know, right, when you think, are, yes, when, are when you band. think, when you, when you think fighting game, you usually think like, all right, karate dude, kung fu chick, and yeah. like, and you know, big wrestler. Like, that's like the, that's like the archetypes you think of. And then like, now it's just like, wait a minute, you're telling me that we have <laughs> a little kid who's fast as hell. We have a fashion designer that does, uh, 
Joshi Wrestling, which is like <laughs> how even the outfit that you have on, but you know, go off. And then big, you know, big brawler dude that plays guitar, but he's built like a tank. Like that, that that's that's mind boggling to me. Like, and that's and that's the thing with KOS characters in general, not even just CYS, is that a lot of them have professions and hobbies that you wouldn't expect a fighting game character to have. You know, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, you, you always remember back then looking through the magazines, not even the magazines, pictures that you could get from the internet. You see all those right. specifically SNK characters or yep. KOF characters. You know, a lot of them they do they have lives outside of this tournament. It, you know, and it was always cool. I, I always loved that picture where they're all like they seem to be like in a uh, a white dressed uh, party or something like that. Yep, by the you, pool. You know the ninety eight picture. Right? The ninety eight picture. Yep. Yeah, I, I love that so much because it, it sort of. I don't know if it meant to flesh them out, but it made you look at them completely different. They're just not there to beat each other's brains in. You know, th- these are quote unquote like normal people almost. You know. Right, and it's like when you compare it to a series like like Street Fighter, for example. Yeah, like yeah. Now, as of Street Fighter Six, we see more details about Ryu's life, and it's like, okay, yo, well, he likes to he likes to cook noodles and little things like that. But before, like right. before that, like go, before that, going back to like the nineties, early two thousands, what did we really know about him outside of the fact that he was a traveling fighter and he was afraid of spiders? Nothing. We did, we didn't know anything about him, and it's like even when you compare him to similar characters in KOF, like like the fact that Ryo has a motorcycle. The the standard karate dude is a motorcycle enthusiast. Yeah, like really, like that's 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 awesome. So it, it's you know that's that's what kind of connected me to them right away is that I'm like, all right, these guys look flashy. They're not dressed like your everyday fighter. They have a separate profession, sometimes two in Shermie's case, and but they still manage to make time to not only fight in this tournament, but they're keeping up with professional martial artists and. Apparently, I mean, according to the lore, apparently they don't have formal fighting experience. I think that's kind of BS scene and some of the some of the stuff that they've done. But you know, it's just like that. That was cool to me. So you know, I connected with them, and then it got a lot worse when I because you know when you first we first start playing video games, you're not you're not that good at them when you first when you first 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 start playing. Oh, so sure. yeah. So you know, when I finally got good enough to make it to the end of '97, I, I was just like, wait, they have evil versions. Oh, their kits are completely different. <laughs> what? And this is 97, mind you. So I didn't know the code to, like, unlock those characters. Because you had to use a code back then. You just couldn't play them. That was it. Like, that, that, you only got to see them when you reached the end of the game. And I was just like, that's so cool. You know, my, of course, my heart shattered when, you know, when they, when they died and everything. But right. to, to, to me, like, to me personally, because I could play the game over and over because they showed up in 98 and 02 and stuff like that. I was like, you know what? In my mind, they never died. They've been here the whole time. They came back at 15. They were just on vacation. They just finally decided to come back. You know, like, the, the, the whole death thing was, was greatly exaggerated. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned earlier you asked Dad for some quarters to play. Did you experience the arcade scene? Uh, where have you? Well, first of all, have you always lived in Philly? I've always lived in Philly. I've, so I've over there right was there. a pretty big arcade scene, was there not? I don't want to say it was big, but it was there. We had um, we had University Pinball down on Fortieth Street. Right. I didn't start going there. You know, obviously because I was you know I was, I was a kid. I didn't start going there until I was a teenager, and that was around the time where. What year was that? I want to say around the time Tekken 5 came out. Right. Um, so that was like 04, 05-ish, somewhere around there. 
You were um, you you were attending almost when the entire scene was dying out when we were exactly trans- so I wasn't there two systems uh, games I uh, wasn't systems, I, excuse me yeah I wasn't there during the prime but I, you know I I've heard about it I've talked with the OGs and you know they, they told me all about it but yeah but you were there I, during the end yeah during the end I was there they still had the, they still had like the third strike machine and that was actually at the peak of uh Street Fighter Four because an arcade that came out um I remember that arcade had four AE cabs. So I did get to experience that because that was back when AE was like only arcade. Like they didn't put it on console yet. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So I did get to experience that. Um, but no, as far as like, like the OG, OG experience, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to fabricate it. I wasn't around for all of that. Well, what can you tell us about the uh, Philadelphia arcade scene near the end? Were there groups of people who were still desperately trying to keep it alive or did they see that the end was near and they were just going to have as much fun as they could? Cause you know, a lot of the OGs, they moved on a right. lot of the, a lot of the ones we still have around, you know, gaming is in their blood. It's never going to go away. Mm-hmm. And here in New York, as you could imagine, the scene lasted as long as it did, but give us a little bit of an insight on the final days of the arcade scene in Philadelphia. Um, So it, it was a little bit of both when, when it comes to like, like, there were still groups around, there were still people who were just, like, you know, they're just riding the last wave, but I met, I met some really cool people, and, you know, they, they, because at first, you know, I, uh, so, how do I put this, so I didn't really start going offline with, uh, fighting games until I started going to that arcade. Before, it was just playing at home by myself, or, you know, against whoever decided to come over, when um, emulation became the big thing, I played on Calera a lot. Calera is a... Of course. You know, that was like the precursor to Fightcade, I guess you could say. Yeah, one of the original online emulators for right. games. Right. So I did that a lot. And then when I first started to go down to uh, to UP, that's when I started to hit me like, okay, like, like I met other people who were into the fighting games as much as I was. Now, granted, I don't think... Uh, no, not, I don't think. I know they didn't. They didn't have a KOF machine down there. Um, so it was mostly like Tekken and Capcom titles that I was playing down there. And then I still had a good time. I met, I met some cool people and, you know, we kind of kept in contact a little bit online. And then as the scene started to fizzle out even more, especially once they shifted that arcade to be a more like, like a, like a pseudo Chuck E. Cheese kind of scenario. where a fun it's just center. Like, yeah. A fun center. There you go. So, yeah. So when that shift happened, that's when I kind of just like wrote it off and it's like, okay, I guess I'll just you know, go back to the online thing. But that's also when I started to go to majors. That was around like 2011, I want to say. Oh, yeah, so, you're lucky you had uh, all the Big E stuff there, so you didn't have to do much I'm traveling, very, I'm assuming. I'm very grateful to Big E for running events as long as he has, especially back then where, um, you know, it was it was, it was was hard to, to gather people that weren't already in the know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I remember going to that that first winter brawl at the at the Sheraton, right there by the airport, and you know, of course, I went zero and two because you know nobody nobody really <laughs> does amazing on their first their, their first time outside. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I, you're nervous. Uh, you're entering a completely I was, new environment. With you, the, 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 exactly like the classic case of like, oh, I can beat everybody on my block. I'm kind of nice at this, and then yeah, I go yeah. I go I go compete and I get washed, and I'm like, hmm, I might not be nice at this. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
you know, it's yeah. like you bring that up, and that's actually a good segue, um, especially during that time mm-hmm. when our kids are finally dying, and you know, you're at home, you're playing with whoever you could find to be competitive with, even you know. You already said your mom was a very casual player, so was your cousin. So you had to go mm-hmm. on to Kylera, and playing those early, those early days of online was not easy. You know, it was not easy, but it's the closest thing you could have to right. competition. And like you also mentioned, it was kind of hard, even up here in New York, that to to be in the know of like, hey, uh, when are these offline events happening? And you know, mm-hmm. to 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 basically get your hands dirty to understand the offline competitive community. And it's ridiculously hard, especially for people back then, to just jump into a major. And like you said, oh, you know what? I'm good around my block. And your eyes open up to like, wait a minute, this stuff, (laughs) this could be done? Like, what? (laughs) You know, like, I I feel a lot of people missed out because arcades died and because such of the secrecy that comes with the FTC, especially back then, unless you were at Chinatown Fair, where it's hard to keep up with everybody else. My a little piece of trivia about my first time uh competing. My first time competing was uh Winter Brawl what year was that? Yeah, twenty eleven. <laughs> I think Vanilla Marvel just came out. Oh, so wow. it was re- it was relatively fresh. My first round was against Justin. <laughs> so that set the pay- that set the tone for like the competition and, and you know, I knew who he was. Like, you know, I I, I paid attention to 30, moment 37 and all that kind of stuff yeah. but um you know it was just like did you play him in marvel yes and okay. it did it, it went about it as you expect <laughs> it, it you know i got i got washed and i was just like wow okay so this is uh this little competition went to losers i can't even remember how i played in losers but he knew what he was doing more than i did but i got washed but that kind of put it in my mind that i want to get better at this especially when that year progressed further and um and Evo 2011 rolled around, you know, I spectated from home, and I was watching those guys, and I was just like, I want to do that. I want to travel, I want to meet new people, I want to get on the big stage and, you know, play my heart out and all that kind of stuff. Right. And and, and that just that just put the bug in my in my ear that, that I wanted to, to keep doing this. I think I got background noise. I think my neighbor's parking his truck. Sorry. I'm sorry, say that again? I, said, I think I got background noise. I think my neighbor's parking his truck. Oh, but, don't worry about it. Uh, as long as he doesn't crash into your house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that aside, you know, like I, the the like at first, I was playing fighting games because I wanted to connect with my characters, and then it shifted to become I want to feel the rush of competition. Now, in you know, twenty twenty three, I think I've reached that point where I'm able to do both. It's like both and more. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, I, 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 I'm still connecting with my characters now that they come back finally. Thank you, SNK. But then I'm still experiencing the Russian competition that I love so much. And now I have those friends that I need, that I wanted so badly, the people that share that same passion as I do. Like, like I'm, I have friends in like every, like every level, I guess you could call it, of the FTC. Like, I have friends who are ridiculously high level and they're placing and winning in majors and stuff like that i have the friends around my level who are just like you know i love these characters or you know i just want to be the best i can be in, in a tournament and go as far as i can and i'm also friends with like like even like the casuals like the artists and the and the the people that like eh, i'm not that good but i really like the game so i'm gonna play it pretty much shaped my adult life 
And that's why I plan on doing this until I physically can't anymore. Because it's like, I I wouldn't be where I am and I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't get into fighting games in the first place. Were fighting games always your favorite genre right off the bat? Or did you jump in between genres until you found fighting games to so, be the one that you loved the most? My favorite genre previously was fighting adjacent. I was a big beat up guy. So I played oh, the yeah, Streets those, of Rage. Those the, games the, are amazing. Man. Yeah, I love those the Streets games. of Rage, the Final Fight, you know, the Power Rangers beat up they put on Genesis back in the day. Oh, yes. Like, all, yeah, I played all of it. The Battletoads, the whole nine yards. And then shifting over to fighting games. And there's actually a lot of overlap between fighting games and beat-em-ups, yeah, especially now. I was now. about to say that. I never noticed yeah. that, but it's true. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap with that genre. It's like instead of beating up AIs and, and you know that come at you in waves, you're just fighting one person. But it, it, there's still a lot. Like the hand-eye coordination and everything, it's pretty much the same thing. And, you know, it just... That shift was actually what drove me to be better. Because it's like, yeah, like anybody can learn, you know, learn enemy placement and waves and stuff like that, and and you know, find a way to go through a beat 'em up practically unscathed. But there's a right. different, there's a different aspect at fighting an opponent who is tr- like and trying to figure them out while they're also trying to figure you out. Yeah, you're playing a real person, not a yeah. super AI. There's it's a like, big. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like chess, you know. And chess was another factor, and 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 getting like that's where my competitive mindset comes from. My, you know, my um my uncle taught me how to play chess when I was really young, and it you know, so I already had it in my mind. Like, okay, this is how you approach. This is how you approach strategy. You know, you learn how to construct strategy when you learn games like that. And even though. I'm pressing buttons rather than moving pieces. A lot of it is the same as far as, far as my mindset goes. Like, okay, I, let me try this. Oh, this isn't working? Okay, we're going to reconfigure and we're going to try this instead. You know, you said all that, and I you know, I could see why your mindset is the way it is, especially when you're going into fighting games. But let's go back just a little bit before mm-hmm. that. KOF saved your life. It would not, you know, your life would have been a complete waste. You know, you're not unique. A lot of people have this story within gaming. Mm-hmm. You know, gaming saved my life. It was my outlet from the real world. Yep. What was it about the real world that you did not want any part of, that you felt was going to be, you know, you weren't going to have no purpose? So, growing up in Philly, I've watched a lot of people my age from when I was young, even to now, lose their lives either either through some something that happens to them out on the streets, like either through gang activity or through just, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time or, or even abuse. Yeah. Or even substance abuse. Yeah. Like I, I just seeing classmates and people that I know from around the neighborhood, just like throw their lives away, getting mixed up in all this, all this bullshit for lack of a better term. It put it in my mind. I was just like, I don't want to end up, a statistic or six feet under or in a cell or whatever. No, like I don't, I didn't want that for myself. When I figured out that I had that outlet, like um, video games, you know, my parents, they, they supported me in it. Like, obviously like they, 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 they helped me do it in moderation. Like if I had homework to do or whatever the case may be, like, you know, they, they, they policed it. Thank, you know, thank goodness. But so, you know, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't become uh a hermit, <laughs> you know what I mean. It didn't but, become um, it didn't become an added uh, added uh, exactly what's the exactly. Word I'm looking for 
Right. But you know, they they supported me in it because it, it kept me it kept me off the streets. It kept me out of trouble. You know, I I didn't I didn't end up like a lot of other people that I see that. And like even now, like I check my Facebook, I see some people that I used to go to school with, and and they're still block huggers that just don't do anything for themselves. And I I wanted right. to better than that. Not to say you know I'm trying to be better than other people and 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 you know a vain sense, but it's just I, I didn't want to be what I was witnessing. I wanted to be something that I could be proud of, that I could feel good about myself. Like hey, you know, and a lot of people still like video games still has that stigma where it's just like. Ugh, you're in your thirties and still playing video games. Like they, they still yeah. think it's for kids. You know what I mean? I mean? Hey, look, I know what you mean. Look at um, who was it? Uh, Idom, I believe it was Idom. A couple of months ago, said that mm-hmm. he's embarrassed to tell people he plays video games at a professional level. So, I yeah, a lot of people I, still look at it as something silly, but I can relate with what he said somewhat. But it, it kind of depends on the person you're talking to because there's some people that I tell that that you know, oh, I'm a professional gamer. You know, I could I, I travel to uh you know to compete in fighting games and they think it's cool they of ask course. me for they ask me for links to the streams they ask oh have you been to this tournament that tournament oh do you know this top player because you know there's some top players whose names travel out of the fgc and they know right. who they are of course and, and i'm like no i haven't played them i mean I'm like no i don't know them personally but i have played <laughs> them in the x game and you know blah, blah 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 but like just recently um i came back from when i came back from evo um i just went back to work today and my boss asked me, he was like, oh, you know, how, you know, how was your vacation? And I was like, oh, you know, I went to Vegas. And he was like, oh, wait a second. Did you go to Evo? Like, he knew that Evo was in Vegas around awesome. that time. And this is, and then I do, he doesn't, he didn't know that I, that I played competitive fighting games. I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, did you just go spectate? And I was like, oh, no, I entered. So he was like, oh, you're a professional gamer. He didn't know, like, that I competed in this. Right. So, so, you know, he thought I was just going on vacation just to go on vacation. I'm not necessarily embarrassed about it, but. If I pick up, if I pick up the vibe that someone is gonna have that adverse reaction to be, you know, someone being a gamer, then yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm not gonna bring it up. I, I don't feel like navigating that awkwardness. You know what I, mean? I know what you mean. It's, yeah. it's 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 somewhat hard with a lot of people, mm-hmm. but sometimes I technically back then when I used to do it, it's like, oh yeah, I play video games. I, you know, I never played them. I competed. I, I was not considered a professional. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of weird just, you know, like, you're a professional because you travel. I only never really, I never really traveled outside of New York. You know, I'll go to big <laughs> events and everything right, like right. that. So, some people would find it interesting and others like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then, of course, you find some people like, oh, what the heck are you doing? Like, Aren't you, like, grown up to do that? It's like, hey, it's a hobby. Everybody has hobbies. Everybody has a hobby, right. You know, like, you might, I remember telling one guy, hey, well, what do you do? What, do, what is your hobby? And the guy said, oh, he's collecting stamps. I'm like, well, do you see me laughing about that? No. No. It's just something that everybody loves. Uh, but unfortunately, there is still that stigma where it's like, oh, this is just for kids. And it's mainly because a lot of these uh, parents are seeing games like League of Legends or uh, what's the what's the other one with the million dollars? Uh, Fortnite. Oh, Fortnite, yeah. And there's a bunch of kids winning it, so I guess they look at us very weird. It's like, isn't that just for, isn't that for kids? It's like, no, you'd be surprised. There are way more adults doing competitive video gaming than there are kids. And and that's why, and that's why when kids do place well or like win those competitions that they get a lot of, uh, they get a lot of, um, of buzz. Media attention. Yeah, they get a lot of buzz about it because it, like, competitive gaming is an adult-dominated sport. Yes. And, and, and you know, and it's one of the few sports in the world that are open to anyone of all ages. Like, hey, if you know how to play the game, you can play. 
like they don't care if you're 5, 15, 55, like they nobody cares. If you're good for the game, you can play it. When you go when you went to school, uh, elementary, high school, mm-hmm. were any of the people in your in your school competitive in video games like you were or did you find it hard to find people with that kind of mindset, hey, uh, let's get together and uh, go to the arcade, you know, let's uh, go play video games to get better at it. Or were you just basically, you know, you were the only one out there that you knew of? So no one, no one was really competitive at the time with me. Going through elementary and middle school, I was kind of like a lone wolf with it. Like, I didn't really, like, there, there were, like, I would talk about some games with some people, but as far as, like, playing against each other and stuff like that. Like, that conversation didn't really come up. In high school, uh, I did meet a couple of friends that were also into fighting games. They they weren't really into competing at the time, but we actually started bonding when... Um, so we had a class that... Um, that we had like like free use computers in that we you know you, you could use it to you of know course. browse the internet within reason with the school yes. proxy of course and you know do research stuff like that so me being uh, as crafty as I was I had um, some emulators and ROMs on a thumb drive and I brought that in and you know started playing on stuff on that and people would come out and ask me it's like oh like like I got what did I have I had like uh, Mar- the first Marvel vs. Capcom and right. like X vs. Street Fighter. I had like KOF like ninety four through like O three on there. And you like became a bunch the of superstar, stuff. didn't you? I became I became the superstar that knew <laughs> yeah. that knew how to get all the cool fighting games. Yeah, exactly. Dude, you know? What the heck was it about that? In every school, every school was that one kid. <laughs> yeah, there was that one kid. When you saw them playing video games, you wanted to be their best friend. It's like, oh, right? What the heck? You know, I want to play and, Marvel vs. Capcom. I want to play Castlevania. I had, Wait, and I had kids that came in, and they they brought their own thumb drives. Like, hey, can you copy your files over to mine? Yeah, yeah. It 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 became a whole big thing, and um, <laughs> you know, um, even when I started competing, some of them started competing too. Like, um, if you ever hear of a Philly player named uh named Fat Boy with a PH, he was probably the first one that really picked up on competing in fighting games along with me. Yeah, and, I remember seeing that name floating around mm-hmm. on uh, SRK and some other places. I do remember that name. I never met the guy, but yeah, the name is very familiar. Yeah, he's really cool. He's a um, he's a Jack player in Tekken. So, but <laughs> ironically, he became a big Shermie fan because he would watch me using her in class all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, like that. That's when that's when the bonds like started to come through. And then after I graduated. I made I made even more friends because even though I graduated, I was still I was still playing through online through Calera at the time. So I made um I made some friends through that that I'm still friends with today, and some of them ended up going out to competitions, and I ended up meeting them and you know having a good time with them. So when the when the bomb started to come through, it really drove it home. But going through school, no, like I want to say. I want to say tenth, maybe eleventh grade is when it started to started to bloom. I guess you could say. Okay. Yeah, those first those first ten years, it was it was mostly just me. You know, I had a cousin that, that we would play Tekken together every now and then, but it, outside of that, I didn't really have any like like really competitive players. Not, not competitive in the sense of like tournaments, but like players that I would compete against at that local level. You know what I mean? What is Philly most most known for? Is it like New York City, where the fighting game community is very? It's a big variety of uh, top players for different games, or does Philly like one game more than the other? So I know 
Capcom's always a thing. So the Street right. Fighter's always popping. We have a we have a very dedicated Marvel scene. Like I we, we have some Marvel players where like if if there's a local or like some kind of event nearby and it does not have Marvel, they will not show up. It, like they're they're oh, wow. really yeah, they're really deep into that. We have Tekken, because I know I know that we have like the Iron Fist Philly group, they're doing a lot of stuff uh lately. So I know they're gearing up for T eight. Guilty Gear is um pretty strong here. And um I don't I know Smash was for a while. I don't know what's going on with Smash here currently. I'm not really hip on that side of things, so I'm not gonna speak on, you know, whether or not they're still right, progressing. Right. But I do remember them we had a healthy Smash scene for a while. I as far as like still going currently, I'm not gonna give our heads or tails on that. But but you know, like we have a decent variety of games. It leans a little more towards the Capcom side. But the good thing about Philly is that we're adjacent to a lot of communities for other yes, games that are. not they they aren't necessarily in Philly, but I know that there there's a group in Hatboro, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Where they run a lot of anime stuff, so like the Undernights, and sometimes they even run KOF and things like that. Obviously, we're right there near New York, so if we want to pop up to New York to go to Next Level or you know anything else like that, we can do that. So we're like, we're travel not travel is not an issue for you guys. Travel's not an issue because like if you want to, if you don't want to get on a plane and you still want to get decent competition, you can do that. If you can't get it in the city, there's places nearby where you can go to. And not to mention, like you said, you guys are literally a mega bus ride away from Brooklyn. Exactly to play next level. Um, you're a mega bus ride away from Eight on the Break in Jersey, and mm-hmm. I believe you guys are very close to the to what is it to the DMV scene. DMV, well. yep. I was going to bring them up next. Uh, yeah, like DMV's right there. New York's right there. Um, New Jersey has their own thing going on sometimes. So, some, uh, you know, like if there's an event, like like some of us will take a day trip to go over to Jersey. So, yeah, like like if there's a game you want to play, you can find people willing to play it if you know where to look. It can be difficult, more difficult for some games compared to others. But, you know, if you dig hard enough, it, it, it's there. You know, you mentioned something. You said you played Marvel when you got to uh, Winter Brawl, and that would probably mm-hmm. surprise a lot of people hearing this because they look at you in 2023, 2022. And I'm the wait, big KOF guy. Yeah, yeah. DZ, is, uh, <laughs> he played Marvel? Like, wait, what's so, going on? So, so, yeah, you take it from there because I'm curious to hear, uh, when was it? When did your focus completely shift to SNK games? So... SNK was always my focus, but I've kind of, I dipped my finger in a lot of different games. I've competed in Marvel, I've competed in Street Fighter, I've competed in Tekken, I've done Undernight, what was the other game that I played for a while? There was, um, I tried Blaze Blue for a little bit, I didn't really click with it, but yeah, like, I've, I've, I've tried, a, I've tried a little bit of, of almost everything. So, for a while, my focus was SNK, but then... KOF 13 didn't really gel with me that like that. So when that... Even from at, the beginning? From the beginning, I tried it. And then, I, I don't know. It's like some, I mean, so the thing with KOF games is that <laughs> if CYS is not there, I struggle to build a team. I can play characters outside of that trio, but nine times out of ten, unless, like, I get really lucky and, and connect with them, like uh, like with Mature, for example, it, it's, it's, it's a struggle. There's characters in KOF that I can play because, like, they're easy to pick up, but the passion is not going to be there, and I'm not going to really be, like, dissecting that much. Like, I, like I can play Athena, I can play Terry, but I'm not going to be great with them. I know a lot of people would think this is going to sound cringe, but they're a part of you. 
know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're, a they're, lot of people are afraid to admit that, especially in, in games. I'm not afraid to admit games. it. Yeah, and you know what? Good for you, man. But a lot of people are afraid to admit it. I remember, I mean, I love Mortal Kombat too. Mm-hmm. There were some people who refused to play the game because Kano was not in it. You know, he he, he was I, not in Mortal Kombat yeah. too, and it's like they, they just connected so much with that character. You're the same way. Yeah. You know, KOF 13 was uh, universally praised. Uh, Justin Wong himself said that was the best fighting game during that era when it came yeah. out, and he's and absolutely it, it, correct. The, it's a very it's a very good game, but um, I'm a firm believer in everything ain't for everybody. Yeah. And it, it just wasn't for me, and I can admit that. Like, I can admit that the game is good and say, like, eh, but I'm, you know, it wasn't the best game for me. So when I ended up putting 13 down, that's when I started to shift my focus to other games, of, like, that I was interested in. So that's when I became pretty much a full-time Marvel competitor. That's when, you know, I focused on Street Fighter Four pretty much until, I want to say until the end, until, like, Ultra. So I, I you know, that was a big focus on that. Let me you ask know, you I, this real quick. Mm-hmm. You said, you know, 13, 13 was not for you. And like you said, hey, everybody everybody is entitled to whatever they want. A lot of people right. respect your opinion. Mm-hmm. I respect that everybody does. You say you shifted over to Marvel and Street Fighter. And again, a lot of people are going to find that weird. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> but did you shift over because you did not want to leave the scene? Or did you just shift over because, like you say, you just didn't like KOF 13 and you just wanted to see what was on the other side of the no, SMK? So- so even though I fell out of love with 13, I was still a KOF fan and I was still a fighting game fan. I yeah, still so I was wanted ask, are you still an F- you were still an FGC fan. Right. I still uh, because by the time by the time that the whole thing with 13 happened, I was already knee deep into the scene and I was enjoying myself and I didn't want to walk away from that. And and you know, that aside, I genuinely did like those games I comp- I competed in like I to this day I still love Marvel 3. I I don't play it like i should because you know i'm kind of how do i put this i'm like pretty intermediate at it i guess you could say like uh i, I don't see myself going further than like maybe two two <laughs> in a stack bracket <laughs> um but it, but you know I, I i genuinely did love the game i did i did enjoy street fighter 4 i did enjoy tekken because i think at the time which tekken was that i think tag 2 just came out when yeah, i tag 2 or yeah it's probably still uh dr dark resurrection no, I didn't compete in DR. I didn't compete in DR or six. By the time I entered the first Tekken tournament that I've competed in, I think Tag Two was out. Okay, so it's Tag Two. Yeah. So, um, so that was like 2012 ish, somewhere around there. But yeah, like I genuinely do love those games, and like I have characters in those games that I love to death. But SNK is always home for me. You know, I'll always come home if CYS is present and stuff like that. But you know, I love C Viper. I love Rose, Anna Williams. Uh, you know, I play a pretty mean Hilda in Undernight. So, you know, like, there's there's <laughs> other characters that are also a part of me. It's just that because, especially recently with 15 doing, you know, doing so well, a lot of people that had, that met me within the last mm, three, maybe four years, that they just think, that's the KOF guy. That's the KOF guy that loves the Orochi team so much. Like, that, so, you know, a lot of, and a lot of people didn't really start knowing who I was until about, mm, I want to say like 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. That was when 14 was still out. Right. That was when four, uh, 14 just came out in, in 2016. Right. And um, that, that came was out like... in 2016? I thought that game came out in 2015. No, that was 2016. The only reason I remember that... The only reason I remember that specifically is because 2016 was the first time that I started going to events 
outside of the uh like the Philly like tri state area. Okay. Like that was yeah, that was like my first combo breaker. That was my first CEO Taku. That was no, I didn't do my first Frosty until twenty twenty, I think. But either way, like that's not that that's when I started getting on planes and traveling rather than just getting a ride to the next state or taking a bus. Well, <laughs> you that's know what I part mean? of the mentality that you said you wanted to achieve. Right. I want to be a world traveling competitor. Exactly. I want to give my, I want to give this a hundred percent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, playing in Philadelphia, like you said, you have all these areas nearby, but you know, if you want to up your level, you know, and that's funny, whether it be competing, commentating, uh, TOing, whatever, mm-hmm. you have to travel outside of your comfort zone. Of course. And when did you, uh, you said uh, 20, 2016 was the first time you had done that. You had mentioned 2011 was the first Winter Brawl uh, major event that you um, that you attended yourself. Mm-hmm. Around what time was it, um, uh, forgive me if I forget if you already mentioned this, around what year was it where you said, okay, cool, I know what my next step is. Because you already had the mindset. You said you want to do this stuff, but right. when was it that you've set said it in your mind, I'm going to get out of Philadelphia and try my hands at all these other places. That was... And I'm sorry, was, not just Philadelphia, the surrounding area, the tri-state. Yeah. Um, that was 2016, the early 2016, um, where I, I just decided, I, I appreciate the competition that I have here, but if I'm going to grow, I need to play other people. Not necessarily better people, but different people. You're as, you're as good as your competition. So if you're playing the same people all the time, that are local to you, you're going to know how to deal with them. Yes. But then when insert big name here travels over from West coast or from out of the country, you're, you know, you're going to be like, what the heck do I do against this? Like, even if you're an equal skill level to them, if you don't know how to deal with like stuff that they're doing, then you're, you're up a Creek. So that's why I was like, you know what? Let me go out to the Midwest. Let me see what the Midwest is about. Oh, let me go down to Florida. Let me go see what the Southeast is about. Like that Like that was my mindset when I finally started to go to those events. And even this year, I had my first milestone. Like when I went to Evo, that was my first time on the West Coast. That was my first time going out to Vegas and seeing what that was about. And right. na- now I have it in my mind. It's like, okay, I've experienced Evo. Now I want to leave the country. I want to start playing international players. You know, I want to either go over to Japan or down to Mexico or over to Europe and just see what's going on in those places. So it's it's an ongoing process. I'm glad you uh, mentioned a couple of those things you just did. A lot of people don't realize when you decide to start traveling. Hey, listen, I want to say uh, from my days uh, playing Mortal Kombat 9 out in Long mm-hmm. Island, you know, I had the strongest scene. But again, I never really went out outside of, of Big E events. And I just, you know, I just stopped and thought about it for for a moment there. But in reality, a lot of people, even in strong areas like New York or Philadelphia, the only majority of us do not travel outside mm-hmm. of our comfort zone. Yep. And the fact that you took that step, it shows like we've already talked here, a different mindset. This is what you want. When you came back from doing all this traveling, were people looking for you for some advice about how to do uh, go about it? Because like we have already said, a lot of people really, when you think about it, they really do not step out of their comfort zone. Right. You know, their comfort zone may be in Philadelphia, maybe, uh, hey, I'm going to go down to the DMV, I'm going to go up to New York. But past that, they do not want to travel. So again, when you came back from your first trips out to Combo Breaker, out to Frosty, uh, you know, CEO, 
did any of the people that you know who really never traveled, did they go up to you? Hey, how was it? Uh, you know, what's it like? Um, what am I missing out on? There, there was a couple people that, that, that did come to me, not necessarily for advice on like how to travel to those places, but more like, you know, how did it feel to, to, um, right. compete with the different, with the different pool, I guess you could say, right, right. um, like a different, like a different group of players. And it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, um, insightful, like just going to those events for the first time. Cause, um, 2016 was like a really big year for me because not only did I travel outside of my comfort zone for the first time, but that was when KPB picked me up and, that and that happened mostly because I went to a, what competition was that? That was um, Guts Four in Rhode Island. When I went up there, you know, I managed to get top eight in KOF fourteen. I got uh, I got second at under night that weekend. I did really good that weekend. I guess they noticed that I was just as passionate about the games, the characters, the scene, and everything as they were, and they and we just ended up we just ended up clicking. We ended up clicking. Right. They ended up bringing. They ended up bringing me on, and, and you know, I've I've been there ever since. And, and and it's like, to this day, I still consider that I still consider that year to be like my my most successful year as a player. I mean, I've I've had I've had achievements happen beyond that. Like I've I've gotten you know a top eight here and there. I've I've won a competition or two, but just the just the year where. I was able to see my growth in action and see the results of my growth, like, like on the spot like that. Like I, I pretty much, I can't ever forget that year. That was, that was a really, it was a really eye opening experience. And I can, I can throw 2023 in the mix too, because like I said, my first time going to Evo, like every time that there's a major milestone, it just, I just put it in my mind because it's like, Hey, this is why I do this. This is why I do this because I want to make these achievements. I want to make these milestones. I want to make these connections with people in the scene who are just as passionate, sometimes more passionate about this stuff than I am. Because when I come across those people that are like, if I'm knee deep, they're waist deep. You know what I mean? Like when <laughs> yeah. I meet those, when I meet those kind of people, I, I want to learn from them. My, my placement Evo, you know, I didn't do too hot, but then just the, con- just the connections and people that I've met seeing that, there were people who knew who I was that I had no idea that, you know, and it, it, that, that like, wait a minute. Like I introduced myself like, Oh yeah, yeah I've seen you around. You know who I am. Really? <laughs> like, like it, it was, it was, it was awesome. So, you know, just, just getting that insight, like, okay, people know who you are. You're connecting with these people in high places. You're, you know, you're seeing your peers make connections in high places. It's like, okay, this this is this is my home like the FGC like this is this is where I'm growing this is where you know I'm gonna make something of myself and and in a way I pretty much already did but the sky's the limit like I I got every time I hit a milestone it's like okay what's next what can I do to go further than this why does it throw everybody off whenever somebody comes up and says oh my god I know you you know I was uh, Rodney mentioned that uh, he was Mm -hmm. just not flabbergasted, but just it's like, wait, what? You you know who I am? And oh yeah, he's there, been doing it a long time. There, there there were people that approached Rodney um, because they knew of KPB, like they followed our channel, they they followed our work. They, they like there were people like I think during the KOF Top Six, there was a guy who because um, me um, me Rodney and Afro were all sitting together like in a row, 
And the guy asked for our picture. We didn't know who he was, but he wanted our picture because right. you know, we were in our jerseys. And he was like, hey, like, you know, I'm big fans of you guys. And can I get a picture? And I was like, okay, sure. So, you know, not, 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 not necessarily my personal work, but just seeing that a lot of people knew about, like, our team's work. Like, it was an insightful weekend for all of us. It was great. Like, I wish I could do it again. I wish I could do it again and just, you know. Don't worry, you'll be experience. there next year, I'm assuming. I hope so. <laughs> Take us through the day, the first day mm-hmm. that DZ knows he's going to board a plane and get out of Philadelphia. What's going through your mind? Is your stomach turning? Did you pack everything you wanted to pack? Did you get to the airport? Oh, crap, I forgot my toothbrush. So, so... Take us through that day. The first, So the first time I flew out of Philly for an event was actually my first time flying, period. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never been on a plane before 2016. So... <laughs> Were you afraid of flying or no, you know, mom and dad just never bothered taking you to that typical well, family Disney trip? So I never... I wasn't really afraid of flying. It was more like a, the opportunity just never presented itself. Like, there was never... Okay. Like, there was, there was never a chance for me to ironically i did go to florida before then but we we drove but that's another can of worms entirely um <laughs> uh, what's that but, place uh when you travel down to florida that uh that fun park i forgot the heck the name of it everybody talks about it it's just, um uh, universal i think no no not universal no. it's uh it's around georgia or maybe uh south carolina it's, uh, it's something. You, you know we didn't, what I'm we, talking didn't, about. we didn't we didn't stop at any theme parks like one like going to and from we just did everything like in florida um, I think it's yeah, like, like Mexican themed or something like that. Everybody talks south about South of the it. border? There you go. Yeah, that's there you go. That's, we did stop there. We stopped there and got food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but because um, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, yeah, we're between North and South Carolina. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. But no, like that that year was like my first year on a plane, period. So I wasn't really afraid of flying, but I was definitely like, oh, this man. Is, like, this what? is something new. This is something new. What can I can't? What can or can't I bring to security? You know, like how do I got to pack? Did you, you know, sleep I, well the previous night? No, I didn't. I I think I only got about like two or three hours of sleep, and because because I was it wasn't that I couldn't sleep. Like I went to bed at a decent time. I was just so excited. Like I went to bed at like ten ten thirty, okay. and I was just and I'm just sitting there like tossing and turning in bed until like maybe like two or three o'clock in the morning. And mind <laughs> you, I had to be up at like six to get to the airport because my flight was at like nine something right so so it was it was it was definitely an experience i think i think as soon as i got there i ended up taking a nap in the room because i was just, i was just so exhausted but it was a lot of first for me like that was my first time flying it was my first time going to an event outside of philly i was rooming with people that i already knew local like a lot of my new york friends so okay. it wasn't like it wasn't like i was completely surrounded by strangers you know what you I mean? didn't go in there blind exactly and a lot of them were people that traveled to, um, you know, to events outside of that northeast that northeast area before. So, you know, that that added a lot of um, comfort to my first time going out there. But it was a very eye opening experience, like just seeing. Okay, like I've I've done nothing. At, like at that point, as far as major events are concerned, I've done nothing but biggie events up until that point. Right, and. Every TO and God bless TOs because they, they they do all the work. It's a thankless job. Um, yeah, they but put up every, with a lot of stupid crap. They put up with a lot of stuff. But every TO does some does their thing different. There's a lot of things that are 
the same when it comes to going to an event, but there's a lot of nuances that make every event feel different. Like you can't go to you can't go to an NEC to and then to a combo breaker and then to a CEO and then Evo. You can't say all four of those events feel the same because they don't. Yeah, I've been told that. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, they they don't they don't feel the same. You you'll go through pools the same way. Yeah. You'll watch finals the same way. You're literally but the, pressing but the, buttons like you would at a at a Philadelphia event, at a right. next level event. But there's just something fundamentally different the, about how the vibe are. is just different there depending on where you go. Yeah, like the vibe is just was just different, and that's what and it, it, it interested me. And I was like, okay, like this is Chicago vibe. All right, so, and, and this is like early in the year, so this is the Chicago vibe. And then I heard, oh, see, Otaku's coming up. All right, what's the Florida vibe like? So I ended up going down there. Then I heard it was an event in uh, New England. All right, what's the New England vibe like? And I just, like, every time an event came up and I had the means to, to make it happen, my first thought was, I want to see what thing, what it's like out there. Not just, like, traveling to the place, but playing playing with, you know, players in that place. I mean, you already knew you were going to get there to um, compete. But you right. wanted to get the entire, the entire, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Experience. There you I go, guess the entire say. experience. Because like you Good. said, everybody does things differently. Fundamentally, right. everything is the same. Pools, right. double elimination, you know, there's a stream, but there's just something in the air that you want to, basically what you wanted to do was uh, confirm that you're not in Philadelphia, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm somewhere completely different, and I know what I'm doing here. Right, and I just want to get that one hundred percent. Right, like even even this year, like when I went to Evo, it's like okay, how do they do things out in Vegas or on the West Coast? Like it was so such an eye opening experience because even as I'm going through my pool rounds or you know I'm 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 walking around checking things out, I'm watching finals here and there. Everything felt the same, but it felt different. And I I know that sounds bizarre, but like that's the excuse me that's the best way that I can put it. Well, that's something that uh, any traveling pro in anything is gonna say. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, some people have been doing it so long that they just don't feel it anymore. But for somebody who's aspiring to do this, you know, it would be eye opening. Again, we're basically doing the same thing. Um, you know, it's a major event. You just know that you're in a completely different part of the country. Right. When you when you got there, um, you know you're only really based out of Philadelphia, New York, and you had said you roomed with a lot of people that you already had acquaintances with. Mm-hmm. But obviously, streaming was still very much available. But um, at, during that time, did anybody come up to you? Is like, hey, I've seen you before. Uh, you know, you're a good competitor. Yeah. Uh, Wait, were you making content at the time? You know, well, no, was, no, I was, I was not. Uh, I didn't actually start making content until maybe like twenty twenty one, somewhere around that mark. Like okay. it was definitely, definitely like pandemic times. But well, did anybody recognize you during that time, or were you still just very much a, a no so name? So the only, the only people, people in those areas, the only people who recognized me are people that already knew me from when I was going to like the big events and stuff like that. So right. like, you know, some of the New York guys knew me, the KOF guys knew me, Skullgirls community knew who I was. That's another game I competed in. I forgot to mention Skullgirls. There were people who knew who I was, but I wasn't really doing anything aside from just showing up and playing. And this is before I started to, uh, to place and stuff. And this before I started to, uh, you know, get decent results. Like, Oh, I made it out of pools here and there and stuff like that. Like, I'm still drowning in pools at this point. <laughs> and, um, but 
I, I, but actually, I uh, almost forgot to mention this. So my first combo breaker is actually where I got my first medal too. I, oh, nice. um, yeah, I, ironically, I got, uh, that was the year where, uh, Rick put on a Tekken ball tournament, the little side mode in Tekken yes, 3. Of course. And, um, I, I originally Tekken didn't, Jesus. I, I originally didn't sign up for it. I didn't sign up for it originally because, uh, that was when Street Fighter 5 had just come out. And my first, what was my game list? My game list that year was, um, I, I originally did Street Fighter 5. I did Street Fighter 5. I did Tag 2. Undernight and KOF O two UM. They did O two UM that year. Mm-hmm. But when Street there. Fighter when Street Fighter Five came out, I I learned early on. I was just like, you know what? I'm not a big fan of this game. And that's a whole other episode about like how long Street Fighter Five went. But I DM'd Rick and I was just like, hey, is there any way that I could like drop my uh I could drop my Street Fighter Five entry and just you know get a refund for you know whatever it was, and he was like, "Yeah, I can refund you, but before I do that, like, is there any other game on the list that you might want to enter? Because then, oh, nice. you know, tran- transferring is a lot easier than just doing the refund." Right. And I looked at the game list and I scrolled, and I was like, "Tekken Ball's on here." And I was like, "You know what? I own Tekken Three. I could like, quote unquote, practice that." I was like, and I, and I told Rick, I was just like, "You know what? Just throw it on Tekken Ball. Like, that's fine. I'll just, I'll just enter that for shits and giggles, and you know, see funny. how that goes." And then I got there. I'm going through pools. I'm playing through the event. And then I end up making top eight somehow, and I'm like, "What?" And like, I'm <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the stream. I'm you know like I, of course I got the top eight and I got scummed out by a true ogre, but you know it was it was just like you know they were like, "All right, we'll stick around because we're gonna do the medal ceremony." And that was my first taste of like actually winning something. Sure, Being up it on was stage right. It's sure. Well, I've been on stage to compete and stuff before, but that's my first time winning something. Well, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Being up yeah. on stage and actually getting something, right? It's like what? And, 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 and like in my mind, I'm like, this feels amazing. And sure, and sure, it was only seventh place, and sure, it was in a, a mini game within a fighting game, but you know, like a like a one off tournament that they held at, at Combo Breaker that particular year. But that was just so. That was just so eye-opening, and it felt so good that I was just like, you know what? I want to keep winning medals. I want to keep placing and stuff, or just going. being the best that I could be. Yeah, I want to keep going. And um, I think I got, I got two medals that year actually. The the guts tournament in Rhode Island. That um, when I got the second in Undernight, I got a medal for that. And then oh, nice. actually, hold on, because I got them hanging up. What else? What other medals do I have? I have four. The other medal I have is for SNK Heroines. A lot of people will know that I went hard on that game. I literally only did that because Shermie was in it. Yeah. Because the because the game was the game was eh, it's a mess. Yeah, yeah it was. But, yeah. Uh, it's it's a mess. But Shermie was in it, so I you know I, I did the best that you, I could. You had to. And, and uh, I got I got seventh place at Ciotaku, so that's where I got that medal from. And then my latest medal is when I I won Undernight at Winter Brawl twenty twenty. This is twenty twenty. Yep. Literally right before the pandemic started. So like. When that happened, like, you know, the whispers of COVID and stuff like that were going around, but it wasn't, like, a full-blown issue yet. Right. And then I won that tournament, and then, like, I want to say, like, a week later, everything shut down. And I was just like, well, at least I got a medal before, you know, I got I got a win in the bucket before, uh, you know, events went away for, you know, indefinitely. Oh, boy. So, so, like, every time, every time I ended up winning a medal in something, or even just placing a top eight, because between getting some of those medals, I got a couple of top eights in, um, in Undernight at, uh, like, either NEC or uh, a Summer Jam and stuff like that. So, it was just, like, 
being able to get out of pools and place in something. Like, there were some of those events where I got out of pools in winners. And usually when I go to events, like, even now, it's just like, eh, I could probably get out in losers. But be, seeing that, because getting out in winners and getting out in losers are two completely different feelings. Because you can get, out, you can get out in losers, and it's just like, all right, round two, one match, oh, you lost, you're out. Yes. But but being able to get out of pools and you still have your second chance available, yes, like that feels really good because mm-hmm. only really because only the Safety strongest, that. right? Because only the strongest players in pools end up doing that. So that you know that opened my eyes. That made me feel really good about myself. And you know, th- it all stems back to that random offer that oh, not really random, but like that all stems back to that offer that Rick made me say, "Hey, do you want to transfer this game instead of canceling it?" and <laughs> Ended up being the game that I got my first medal in. <laughs> so, you know, I'm really, really, really grateful about that. You know, like that first combo breaker is just like, that's where the brain expanded. Like my mind opened and like everything just started to fall into place after that. It's like you said, that's probably when you knew this is what you're going to be doing for the better yep. part of a lot of your life. It, exactly. What was, what was the Philly scene like during uh, the COVID Obviously, everything was shut down. A lot hmm. of people left. Um, I'm assuming you got into content creation because because of the pandemic. Because you said um, you got into it via 2021. But that scene in general. Uh, so I kind of I kind of lost touch with a lot of the Philly stuff around that time because everything was shut down, and um, we weren't we weren't sure when offline events were coming back. So during that time, I. You know, I shifted my focus to to the online stuff, but for the online stuff for KOF, at least at the time, New York and New York was the ones that were that were hosting it most of the time. So it was either um, it was either um, Yurikov was running um, a KOF fourteen online circuit, and um, Lunar Phase was doing like other like they were doing fourteen. They were did they did like a Vanilla ninety eight bracket at one point. They they were doing like they were doing all kinds of stuff and. That kind of uh, deepened my bond with New York in particular. But how was is... Philadelphia in general? Did, did uh, everybody down there take to the online events? Or were there some I don't people who so. just did not want to touch it at all? I because think... even though it was 2021, a lot of mm-hmm. the games still had very bad you know, online um, capabilities. Yeah. I mean, for, and, and... I, I'm pretty sure Marvel 3 is still being played on... Um, Parsec. Uh, yeah, exactly. On Parsec, and you know that's that's good, but it's not perfect. Especially, um, I I guess I want to know, especially for a scene that had all the offline available to mm-hmm. them. You know, uh, like we already mentioned, easy little easy little drive, uh, a bus drive. Did did they take right away to the online, or was it just a waiting game to see what was going to happen? I. I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I know when it started to come back is when, you know, things started to reopen and, you know, we had local hosts available to us and stuff like that. But, um, like, when we were, like, deep, deep in the trenches, like, with the pandemic and everything, I don't think I really kept up with it. I was too I was too focused on, like, trying to make sure that I could keep my hands warm and playing stuff that it didn't it didn't cross my mind at the time. But, you know, maybe I'll ask about that. I, I, I still, you know, I can I can ask around and see what what was happening with that because that didn't even cross my mind until you told me. Because when it happened, it was such a shock to everyone. Like, of what course. do you what do you mean we can't do all, all I mean offline events anymore? Like until whatever blows over. Like that was that was nuts to a lot of people. So 
it, it was just like, all right, so when that happened, we were fresh off, we were fresh off of Winter Brawl 2020, and then that was when Biggie had um, the April Annihilation tournaments that yes. he was trying to get started, and that ended up falling through because he had to cancel it, and then you know, then we go through the month. Combo Breaker gets canceled, Evo's obviously canceled, so on and so forth. And obviously all the locals were canceled too because we're we weren't allowed to gather. We weren't allowed to gather, we weren't allowed to get everybody together. So yeah, I like I don't know if because I know Street Fighter Five was <laughs> acceptable online. Like it wasn't perfect, but it was it was playable for the most part. Marvel had the uh the Marvel guys had Parsec, but as that was before like a lot of the games felt like they had to start putting rollback in. So, I don't know. I don't really know, like, what the Guilty Gear, like, the Tekken guys were doing, because as, as, as far as I can remember, those online infrastructures are, like, not that strong. No, it wasn't. Uh, at, the the t- at least only, at the time. Yeah. I believe the game that had the most perfect online at the time was KI. You know, yeah. KI and, obviously was uh, about eight years old or seven, whatever it was at that time. You know, uh, KOF 14 didn't ship with very good online coding, but no. you're so close to New York, like you have said. I, yeah, I, like for, I forget what the Street Fighter Five online code was because I never really took that game online. I remember, I remember after a while, Next Level started doing NLBC online. I remember that, but I can't remember beyond that. It's hard to believe it's been three years since that happened. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I always talk to Mike about this, and it's uh-huh. amazing. It's like a blur. Sometimes you really do forget that all that stuff happened. I mean, you, you don't forget all the other crazy stuff that happened during it, but mm-hmm. it, it, to me, it's just like, you know, I knew there was a pandemic, but I, I sometimes forget how closed everything was. Like, it feels like, 20, it feels like 2019 was still last year. Yeah, but, exactly. But it, was four, it was four years ago. And I'm like, Wow, it's really been that long. Like the time skip is everybody starts calling it. Well, you had said you moved online to keep your hands warm. You wanted to mm-hmm. still stay active. You wanted to keep this momentum going. And you mentioned content creation came into your life at twenty twenty one. Is yes. there a reason why you started focusing a lot that on? Are you one of those are you one of those guys who decided to start doing it during the pandemic just to make time uh, so, go by? My YouTube is old as hell. But there's a, a lot consider- of YouTubes are older. Yeah, a lot of people, right? Um, but there's a considerable gap between my videos. I didn't really start making content creation recently. 2021, I started up again because the KOF 15 beta came out. Right. The very first beta. And somehow, by the grace of God, all of CYS were available in that beta. Hey, now, I was- admit, admit it to me. Did, did you tear? You saw them? No, I, I I didn't, you know, I didn't pull any strings or or what have you, but like it it really my first th- my my first thought was like oh a beta's coming out they're probably gonna pick like one character from every team or whatever the case may be yeah, the and, usual you know ones, that's all right? but yeah but then they were just I'm like oh it's gonna be like it's gonna be like Kyo, Yori, Mai and like whatever but then they were like oh we're gonna do uh <laughs> I think it was it was CYS Sacred Treasures team. Who was the solo? I think it was Shune. Yeah, it was Shune, CYS, Sacred Treasures team, and Dolores. Because Dolores just got announced when that first yes. beta came out. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what do you mean? Because my, my first intention when they got announced was like, I want to play 
straight team CYS when the game comes out. And some, somehow I ended up getting the whole team in Invader. So the very first video I made in like my modern research for my channel, I guess you can call it, I made a Shermie combo video. I made a combo video for her. I set it to Bayonetta music. I did everything, you know, the whole bell, all the bells and whistles. And yeah. it blew up. Like it got, I think to this day, I still don't think it has the most views of um, any video on my channel. I'm just going to peek and make sure that that's still the case. Like that video exploded and like i'm getting all kinds of comments and like a bunch of likes Sweet. yeah it's got it's that's got what, that's it's got, what you want as a content creator that's what i want exactly it got thirty-eight thousand views it has thirty-eight thousand views as of today and and i made and i made a video for for all three of them but like she was the breakout that like it got the most attention. we understand why we understand why exactly <laughs> we, we, anybody who saw that character we, we understand why there, there's there's one big reason why but um like for fighting games in particular, because I'm looking at some of my older videos now, I got a lot of Overwatch stuff on here too, right? Um, from before that, but like it, that's when I that's when I kind of shifted to being like a KOF channel more more often than not because seeing that oh my god, all these people I got like and, and mind you, I'm thinking like this video is trash. I don't know if it's, I didn't I didn't even set my max mode like settings properly in it, and like nobody cared. Like it, I'm seeing, I'm seeing all these mistakes. Like I think I had my, I think the last clip, like I had an audio bug where it was like, um, it was uh, replicating, like, and I, and like if you listen closely, there's like a Windows notification pop up noise, and like, yeah, there was. You, you can't. Oh, so you heard it? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I didn't hear. I didn't say yeah. anything because I'm like, like oh, nobody this is too cool. Right, nobody said anything because it was just like, oh, it's so cool, and I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna clean up my, I'm gonna clean up my craft, and I'm gonna keep doing this. So you know, I made the Yashua and Chris videos, then the game finally came out. And now I'm starting to do, like, so, like, I do, like, tip videos. I do combo videos. The popular ones that I've noticed is uh, my compilations. So, right. um, when like, so basically I just take, like, full rounds with, like, a focus on a particular character. It's like, okay, this is, like, seven or eight rounds of me playing this character. And, you know, obviously I'm going to pick all the rounds where I'm winning because I, I, when people watch a compilation for a character, they want to see the character being successful right, in whatever their game plan is. So, you know, I'm, you know I'm, and I'm picking and choosing of everything where, where, you know, it's working out for me. And a lot of the comments I'm getting is just like, hey, like, I really like this compilation because it's one thing to want to learn a character and you look at, like, oh, what combos can they do? Yes. But a lot of people don't do compilation videos to actually show the character in action. Like, yes. how do they respond to this? 100%. What's their option? What's their options on wake up? What's this, you know, what are what are their approach options in neutral? So, you know, I that's the really popular one that I started doing. I actually, I used to do, I was doing them quite frequently, but then I kind of fell off because I noticed, like, mm, I kind of want to start doing them whenever balance changes happen so people can see, like, okay, well, this got nerfed or this got buffed. Okay, how does this character function now? So, you know, I do, I actually have a list of stuff that I have upcoming. I really do want to start doing compilations for, like, the main characters I play once this uh, 15 patch drops in uh, autumn with Duel on. So we're going to see how that goes. Um, I do tip videos because there's a lot of, with KOF in particular, there's a lot of little minor tips and tricks that if you're, don't, if you're not aware, you're either going to get punished for something or miss out on damage opportunities or what have you. So, you know, I do little stuff like that. It's like a little, like, uh, Kujaku tip sub-series, I guess you can call it. And, you know, it's just... And mind you, like, all my videos are focusing on my favorite characters. Like, a majority of it is one Shermie or the other, but, like, I've got some Yashua stuff on here. I've got, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, like, I have Gona's combo video that I put up, like, a month or two ago. 
it's a it's a it's like a passion project, but it's also me trying to like inform people about stuff because these are these are popular characters. Like regardless of how good or bad they may be in the meta game, these are popular characters. People want to like especially get coming back after so long. It was it it drove me to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna start focusing on YouTube. I'm gonna start putting up compilation combo videos. I'm gonna do like Matt series. Like I do another sub series I do is um. These are Kujaku versus the world. So, like, I usually pick, like, like five, sometimes six full games where I'll just clip literally the full match and I'll just, you know, mesh them together and throw it up. And and my video, my channel's not, how do I put this? It's not overly popular. Like, I'm not, I, I, I honestly, I don't even, like, get enough traction on the channel to, to start monetizing stuff. But the fact that I get, the fact that I get views, I get the likes, people comment saying, you know, like, I like this, I want to, you know, can you please do more stuff like this? I get DMs on Twitter saying, hey, you know, I really like the stuff that you did, can you do more of it? At Evo, I was actually getting stopped and saying, hey, like, you're the guy that does all the streaming videos. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. So, like, just the recognition for that alone is enough to make me keep going with it. You know, we laugh about it. The first video you hear, like, the Windows error screen. But you have mentioned something, you know, this is your craft. And you've done a really good job on, you know, making things nice and clean, simple, easy to follow. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that kind of growth from a lot of people getting started into content creation. Did you take some kind of class or did you just do the old trusty, let me watch how people do it on YouTube and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just follow it along? Believe it or not. I just kind of, like, like sometimes what I'll do is, like, I'll put something up, and then I'll watch it back, and I'll see a mistake here and there, or, like, you know, I'm saying, oh, well, this could be a little more concise, or whatever the case may be, and I just kind of keep it in my mind, and just, or sometimes, like, I'll throw it in a notepad or something, and I'll just keep it in mind the next time I make my video. Oh, the audio mixing. Mm, I think the song's a little too loud in this one. Oh, uh excuse me, this text position is kind of off. It's kind of obscuring some information. Oh, well, you know, I'm trying to teach people about this combo where your input has to be precise here. So maybe I should put an arrow pointing to like my inputs in practice mode or something like that. So, cause I do, I do all my work at share factory. Cause I'm a, I'm a console player. I don't, um, you know, uh, I don't have a, my experience editing stuff on PC in terms of like, like putting things together is very limited, but, uh, share factory is like a little, it's like a content creation app that's built into the PS4 and PS5. Oh really? And uh, yeah, and and it, it makes it really easy to to make videos, to oh, make videos, cool. or you can edit. Yeah. So so basically, what you could do is like, hey, I clipped, you know, like like let's say I'm making a compilation video. All right, I have I have eight rounds of me playing Oshermi, and I just want to put them together. All right, so when I when I go to create a new video, I pick those eight clips, whatever order I want to put them in, and then I just uh, and then it puts them all together in a, in a video. And like, hey, hey, do you want to add transitions? Okay, yeah, I want to add like a smooth transition. Oh, uh, and then like, I'll and then once I once I have my format set of like the the meat of the content, I guess you can call it. Then I look like, okay, do I want to do an intro clip? Do I want to do an outro clip? I usually do an outro clip of like the victory screen of whatever character I'm using. So like, okay, I'll go back to the game. I'll go back to KOF 15. I'll load up a. Uh, you know, I load up the game in practice mode with, like, well, not practice mode, I load up the game in versus mode with, like, no music. Because I have a second controller, I'll just load, boot up both controllers, I'll beat up a, a player that's not moving and get the victory screen and clip that. Boom. Easy. I'll make sure I replicate the same 
situation. So like I'll 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 make sure like I'm on the same stage, using the same color, fighting the same character, just in case there's some kind of like special outro quote or whatever. Like it I, I, it, it sounds like I'm taking the easy way out with Share Factory, but then the thing is, it's like there's a lot that goes into it because I want to make sure everything looks consistent. Because again, I, when I when I look back at some of my older stuff, it's like, eh, I see mistakes here and there. But I'm just like, you know what? I want to improve it. Like even now, like I'm starting to um, I'm starting to use Photoshop to create my thumbnails, and I'll and I'll uh, like I'll make a thumbnail on my computer, and then I'll um, I'll upload because you can upload to YouTube straight from the console. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So you could so like I'll I'll upload it to YouTube like private or unlisted, and then I'll um I'll use my computer to make the thumbnail and then I'll just throw the thumbnail into the video. So, you know, it's, it's a lot that goes into it. It's not really easy process, especially for the longer videos because like they have to upload from the console. So that takes like 30, 40 minutes. Then it has to, uh, then it has to process up to 4k that could take upwards of a day, depending on how long the video is. So it, it, so like, I want to start getting to the point where I can queue up a few videos and start using the premiere feature. But until I get to that point, I've kind of, like, sometimes it'll, I'll just get an idea for a video, like, out of nowhere. Like, oh, like, something will happen to me in a match. And it's like, you know what? This is a, this is a neat situation, but it will, it will make or break a match. I need to make a video on this. Or I'll just be driving in my car to my playlist and, like, a song from, like, whatever game will come on. And I'm just like, I can see insert character here fighting to this. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to use that in a, I'm going to use that in a video in the future. And, like, it, it's. It's a passion project. It's a passion project. I, I make nothing from it. I you know, I, I do it for my own self satisfaction, just like watching my stuff back. But then seeing getting the recognition from others like adds to my adds adds fuel to me wanting to keep doing it. So Well, you know, I've uh, said I mentioned it plenty of times on the podcast on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. Content creation is a full time gig. it's a full-time job and the fact of the matter is that you're able to take this application that sony uh put into the system Mm -hmm. and um and basically uh spit out as good stuff at that i've seen again very nice and simple clean interface good resolutions you know proper proper text in the proper places it really is amazing what you've been able to done i know a lot of people dabble into that stuff Mm -hmm. and i'm sure a lot of people have Hey, look! I could I could make content now, but it really does take some dedication to make it good, especially now since we live in the world of content creation. Mm-hmm. And like like you said, it's a passion project. But will you want to see yourself doing this full time? I hmm, I would like to, but the only problem well not problem the only uh, reservation that I have when it comes to doing it full time is that I don't. No, I don't know if I can commit to being consistent with because because if you look at this time if you look at the date stamps on my videos it's kind of just like you know like I'll make a video and then like two months will pass where I don't do anything and then I'll right. make another one or I'll make one and then like three days later I'm putting out another one so it I don't have a consistent release schedule I don't have a consistent release schedule I don't have dedicated time to work on editing or make sure that I um that like, I clip things properly because I don't clip most of my content. I don't like, especially for the match. I don't clip the match in the moment. I usually go back to the replay, turn off the music and then just record it from the replay. And I most, I mostly do that to not only avoid things like lag showing on, you know, 
in an online match or something like that. But, you know, I do it to, like, obscure my opponent's names. I know some people don't like to get posted on other people's channels and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a, there's a little bit that goes into it in terms of, like, recording this stuff. But in terms of doing it full-time, I can't commit to a schedule. And that's why I don't really think I'll do it full-time. But I will consistently maintain it for as long as I can. I can promise that. I just... I, as far as full-time is concerned, I'd rather shift into... I was thinking about shifting into commentary, actually. So, I, I kind of want to do the trifecta, I guess you could call it, where, you know, I, I, I play and compete, I make content, and I know enough about the game where I can commentate it. Did you sign up for commentary at, um, at Summer Jam? I did not. Um, I don't have... I don't have enough experience. Not, I don't want to say experience. I don't have enough clips to make a reel yet. I've only done commentary a few times in passing um, at a big E event. Like, there was a couple of situations where, like, they they had someone lined up, but they had to play in pools or they had an emergency and couldn't show up to the event or whatever the case may be. Oh, we need someone on the mic. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. I, ha- I have commentated a couple of times at Lunar Phase events, just mostly to get to get my feet wet, I guess you could say, where... I want to. I want to get a feeling. I want to get a feeling for being on the mic, and it's fun. I enjoy it, especially when you have someone that, like you know, you have a co-commentator that you could bounce off of really well. Of course. Um, I see. I see why people like uh, like people like Afro and you know Rome himself and and people like that really enjoy doing the commentary. But it's 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 more like I, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find my groove before I commit to. Uh, commit to applying to events because uh, commentary just like just like just like competing just like content creation we all start somewhere and usually you gotta start small so you know like most people that compete they start competing at locals then they, they enter their first major then next thing you know they're they're on stage at Evo or whatever the case may be so you know I wanna try commentating smaller and local events first or even just online stuff. Like I, like I probably, I'll probably like find someone's, um, like like someone's online event that they need a commentator for, and I was like, you know what? Like I know about the game. Sure, I'll try it, and then work work my way up from there. Because all the comments, like like all the commentators that you see at like Evo, for example, where you know, because you know when you commentate at Evo, like you got to dress like business casual and all kinds of, of stuff like that. Most of those people didn't just get slotted in there. They started commentating most likely at the local level. Oh yes. And then course. they then, then they a, started it's a long road to get to right. that to then that they start seat. they started applying to like the big E stuff or like the DTNs and the combo breakers and stuff like that. And then once they built once they built that rapport with the view like the community at large, because it's not just the viewers, like it's also the players and stuff like that. Like a lot of players appreciate commentators that not only know the game but they know the community. And that's why I like a lot of KOF commentators, not KOF, but like SNK commentators in particular, because a lot of the well-known SNK commentators know the community as not only players, but they know them as people. So they could give you more insight on why they made this decision or, you know, oh, well, I played them a lot and they, and they told me they usually do this because like, this is the reaction to insert situation here. Like that, that and that's the level that I want to get at. And I, I, I know a lot of players in the community but I don't necessarily know what makes them tick in terms of like the way that they play, and that's and that that's a learning process for me because me personally, like as a viewer, because you know we all started the stream monsters at some point. <laughs> like I I like commentators that 
know the players. And even if they don't know them personally, they know them at least on a player level. So I'm I'm working on it. The commentary is kind of a um a fleeting work in progress, I guess you could say. But it is in, it is it is in the in the in the cards. Like I'm 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 working on it. <laughs> That's where every I, I notice a lot of people the evolution of the player is you know, I love fighting games. I want to compete in fighting games. I go to majors, and a lot of them always want to start doing commentary. It, it, like, you know, it almost goes hands in hand, doesn't it? It, it goes hand to hand, but being brutally honest, commentary pays consistently, where entering and competing does not. Exactly. If if I could if I could make like let's say like if I could make I don't know two hundred three hundred dollars just for commentating a couple of pool blocks or commentating like a like a top eight or whatever, compared to paying a hundred whatever to enter the tournament and either drowning in pools or like getting ninth place, which is just outside of the money for most events and getting nothing. Right. And getting nothing. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to lean into the route that's going to guarantee that I get paid as long as I do a decent job on the mic. Evil 2023 mm-hmm. stepped out of that plane. Was your heart shaking or was it just another day, you know, another business day for DZ? Considering the fact that I've been competing for so long, it wasn't, I wasn't really nervous in the sense of like, I wasn't really nervous in the sense of like, oh my God, what if I screw up? But it did, it did definitely hit me like, dude, I'm going to Evo. Are you serious right now? Like, this is the, this is the tournament that, this is the tournament that set it off in my mind. Like, I want to keep doing this because I competed already before I started watching it consistently. But seeing Evo 2011 really hit home for me. Like, wow, these guys, this is their life. Their whole life is fighting games. And, and I was like, I want that too. I want my whole life to be fighting. Well, not my whole life, but you get what I mean. You get yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I want, I want, I want the main focus of my my life to be fighting. Yeah, my happiness is to be tied to fighting games. And when I got there, it didn't really hit me getting off the plane. It more so hit me when I got to the venue, like day one on Friday. I, you know, because I got my badge the day before and everything like that. And Smart then, man, I heard the lines were insane. <sighs> That it went, it didn't take as long as it looked, but the line was still pretty ridiculous. But when I walked, when I walked into that venue and I looked around and just saw the layout of the main ballroom, because the way they had it laid out, it was like you had the tournament side and then you had the convention side. Because all the like all the early release demos and the artist alley and the, all the stuff like that was on like the right side, and then all the pools and the the bracket setups and stuff like that, and the, you know the stream stages was on the left side. And I looked to my left, and I looked to my right, and it hit me, like, dude, I'm really here. Like, I'm really here. I'm going to enter a bracket. The same bracket as some of the best players in the world are here. Like, Shaohai is here. You know you what I mean? It. Like, like, like I, I, even if, even if I don't, even if I don't place, even if I don't even, I don't even get stream time, even if I don't, you know, get a high place, the fact that I'm here like I feel like I have made it. Like I have finally made it to the tournament that set off in my mind. Like I want to keep doing this. I want to compete and fight game. I want to be the best I could be. It's an achievement. And 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 like I didn't do too bad in the bracket. Like you know, I I think I got one twenty nine out of uh out of six six six. 
that's, you know, a, that's, that's a very high placing. That's a high place. And it, it like I didn't get out of pools, but it, it then but then I was just like, you know what? I didn't do bad. I didn't do bad. I got to meet a lot of people. I got to play some really strong people. And I and I was satisfied. I was just like, this this is awesome. But then not only was I satisfied, it also set off that new goal in my head. Like, okay, now that I've been here and I've experienced it, I want to go further. I want to do better. I want to solidify myself as, hey, when people look at me, it's like, oh, that's Dizzy Kajaku. He's the KOF guy. He does XYZ. Or not even just KOF guy, but like just, you know, he's he's a de- he's a decent player. Yeah, he's a good player. And you yourself, you have goals now. Making it to that dance, it's amazing. It's uh like you said, you you know, Shao Hai is here. A lot of the top Latin players are there, you know, exactly. Chinese players, Japanese players, it's the entire world here. And uh, I'm part of it. But even though, like you said, you drowned in pools, 129th is still, hey, like you said, that's the, that's a heck of a that's a heck of a placing. It may not be a lot to a lot of people, but when you consider the best of the best are there competing, you're damn right that, that that's a heck of an achievement. The, and the, now that the, you set yourself some goals, you know what's next for you. What's next for me is that well, my, right now I'm shifting my focus to rounding out my tournament year and while also like maintaining my YouTube. So I'm going to be pumping out a couple more videos within the next couple months or so. But I also like, I have my eyes on summer jam in a few weeks. We have lunar bout a month, a month after that, after lunar bout, I'm probably going to take a break until NEC mostly to, cause I'm most likely moving soon. Um, I actually have plans. Okay. Mo- so I'm going to be moving down to Virginia, either, either before this year is out or like early next year, the latest. So, I'm going to be shifting scenes from, like, I mean, I'm still going to keep in touch with the Philly scene and everything, but my home base is going to become DMV. And they have, and, you know, I know that they've got a lot going on down there. So that's going to be an interesting experience to, you know, see. Like, it's one thing to go to another scene to, like, go to their locals or, you know, their monthlies or whatever the case may be. But to live there and just have instant access to it, is a different story entirely. Like I can, like I've been, I've been to a million and one New York events, but I feel like if I lived in New York, I'd like the experience would be different for me. So I'm looking forward to that when it comes to DMV is, and, and, you know, seeing what everything's going on down there. I already know they have the Xanadu stuff going on and they have, um, I forgot the other venue that they use, but it's, it's going to be interesting. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. You know, this should be another episode, and I plan on doing it as a separate episode. Mm-hmm. But explain to the crowd a weekend at Evo with the KPB crowd. <sighs> okay. Um. <laughs> Come on, let's hear some dirt. Come on. No, 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 no. no. I look. I, it was. It was hey, come definitely. Come on, man. What's going on? <laughs> no, no, no. It was. It was definitely. It was definitely a lot of joking around. Like we, we, because the the KPB guys, they're like brothers to me. Like, well, well uh, like, like family, I guess you could say. It was mostly, it felt like I was just hanging out with family the whole time. Like, and we, and like, we, like, we did a lot of stuff. Like, we ate together. We, uh, we watched finals together. We, you know, we, like, we, it got to the, it got to the point where, like, we were playing games and, like, somebody would just say something mad random that's not even <laughs> funny. And, like, we would just laugh about it because we, like, like, our, like, I feel like we uplift each other when we're all in proximity. So it, it it felt like 
I was hanging out with the boys the entire time. And, like, even when, even when, like, I would, like, because I had other friends that wanted to meet me, meet me there, like, outside of the team. So, like, I would go out, I would go meet them, and then I would come back, and then we would just, it was like, it was like I never left. We would just resume joking around, you know, joking around, talking all kinds of shit. Uh, it was, it was a really, it was a really good time. I'm glad, like, if I went to my first Evo with anybody, I'm glad it was with them, because, like, I always feel, like, even though I'm 2,000-something miles away from home, I still feel like I'm at home with these guys. Definitely. And yeah. uh, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, what is it? Almost 11,000 people showed up for EVO 2023. Oh, man. Almost yeah. 11,000. Obviously, that's a number that's, you know, the FTC has never seen anything like that. Right. Uh, and even final round when Street Fighter Five debuted it, I... I I do not think that they hit that number. It, it was maybe at most half of the 11,000. What was the environment like? Uh, you know, the FGC, it's an interesting community. You know, we they, they shun esports, but this is as close to uh, this is as close to as major esport event as this scene has ever seen. What was the feeling like for everybody? Did everybody, oh, we finally made it. You know, we're being recognized. A lot of mainstream news coverage was there. I heard a lot. I, I even heard, what is it, the mayor of Vegas or the governor? Oh, what, what uh, yeah. They, they gave them the keys to the city and declared August, excuse me, August 6th or something like that. 5th or 6th, something like that. And they declared, uh, they declared an Evo Day. You know, so, uh, you know, obviously the organizers, tournament, uh, tournament organizers, the people in charge, they're feeling something different. Mm-hmm. What are you as a competitor feeling? What are your peers feeling? What are spectators feeling that weekend? Um, so at Evo, it was actually pretty spacious for as many people that were there. Like, oh, it's the Mandalay the, Bay. It's a, it's yeah. a huge convention center. Right. But I mean, like I didn't, I didn't feel cramped or anything the whole time. So that was a relief. But it was just... To me, it felt like the FCC is finally reaching that point where we can't be ignored. Because a lot of times when we have the esports conversation, everybody brings up, you know, they bring up the, the, the FPS players like, you know, Call of Duty, Overwatch League, AGLS for Apex, stuff like that, uh, the Fortnite stuff. Or they bring up, you know, like um, like the sports game players, so like the Maddens and all that kind of stuff. And, and usually, you know what? Rightfully so. Those scenes, uh, of course, you know they, scenes, they throw off the the FGC. They, it's it's they, not even close. They they those scenes are humongous, and that you know no one can ever take anything away from them. They they've earned they've earned that recognition. But even then, like FGC always seemed to fall by the wayside, and they, and you know, and this this is this is where I get kind of opinionated, but. That's the what problem, we're here for. We're, we're our own worst enemy when it comes to the esports conversation because it's like we can't every time I see an event, I see the conversation or the discourse pop up. Why is this prize pool so low? Why is seventh place not even not not even like getting their registration back in terms of like prize money and stuff and like you that? You have just, these conversations with people who refuse to see all the factors. Exactly. Like we have we complain about we complain that we don't have money. You know we have the whole stigma. Oh, FGC is broke. Blah blah blah. We complain that we don't have money, and then we get these sponsors that come in. And it's like, hey, we're gonna add to you guys' prize pool. We're gonna throw three thousand dollars or four thousand dollars. What is some insert absurd amount of money here? We're gonna throw it in your prize pool, but you have to follow our rules. And their rules usually aren't that invasive. They're usually just like you know, 
commentators can't curse or use slurs on stream and you know you gotta you gotta mention the sponsor segment every like four or five matches or that's what little, sponsorship little, means right little stuff and then we complain about having um i guess we, like they, they act like we're being policed and it's like when you get sponsored by anything you have to follow, if you want if you want that money you have to follow their rules. It's that just applies the way the world works. Right. That's the way the world works. That's a, it applies to sports. It applies to like celebrities that get like yes. like uh like modeling or like product placement endorsements. It applies to it applies to everything. Insert celebrity here, like Rihanna, for example. Oh, Gucci sends her a purse and say, Hey, I need you to like I'll give you, you know, and I'll pay you X amount of money if you make an Instagram post about this purse. Okay, you think she's going to make that post and talk shit about it? No, she's going to act like it's the best damn person on the planet. So we have to take that same mindset when it comes to esports. I'm not saying let it take over and just make grassroots die out. Obviously, grassroots has its place. Grassroots is very important. But yeah, grassroots, a lot of people are under the assumption they're just going to disappear. No, no, they're going to be around like grassroots has to exist because there has to be an entry point into the FGC. So the all the all the complaints about grassroots going away is unfounded but when we start getting those big sponsors when we start having those big invitationals when we start getting those giant prize pools like capcom cup and the snk world tour and stuff like that we can't complain about having to have a certain amount of decorum i guess you could say when dealing with these sponsors because we can't say oh man it sucks like you know i I made i made seventh place and i only made 48 dollars when and then now we have a situation where okay you can make seventh place and you could take home a band or you could take home like you know three you no know, five hundred six hundred seven hundred dollars and we're still complaining and I'm like do you want the money or not you can't you can't complain about not getting paid and you have an opportunity to get paid and you don't want to follow the rules to make that money exactly but this community is so fickle and the fact of the matter is. From everything that I've read, uh, videos that I saw, every, mm-hmm. th- this is what they wanted. You know, uh, this was as esports uh, event as there's ever been, and we could only hope that it keeps going like that forward for the ones who want the esports money, the ones who definitely want that esports scene to thrive. And like we already mentioned, guys, no worries. Grassroots are not going anywhere. They're it's not essential. going anywhere. They're essential to the scene. Everything cannot be done online only by uh, by Capcom or whoever else is running. Because there is still a stigma with playing online games, especially with fighting games. You could you right. could have the greatest rollback deco like Ki does. Lag is lag. I'm sorry. Lag is lag. It doesn't yeah. matter how good the netcode is. Where everything still gets made, it's at these events. It could be the smallest event where you're getting your feet wet. It could be at the biggest events where you're going to go up against the best of the world. Mm. But, it, again, it's just great to hear that everybody just had a good time out there. I mean, yeah. I have not heard anything like, you know, it's, unfortunately with this scene, I, I haven't heard any negativity about it. Everybody had a good time. I'm still trying to figure out who sold got sold that they've managed to get a Street Fighter Six down to the top six on Sunday because that's, <laughs> that's a hell of a job by that team, man. I mean, I mean, I'm <laughs> so we had a joke. We had an inside joke with the with the KOF tournament because, because, uh, you know, uh, you look. You saw the registration numbers. We we yes. had six hundred and sixty six players in sixth place, mind you, among all the games that were that were street. You know that that were the main games that year, 
and everybody was saying like, oh, someone's going to get sacrificed or, you know, like Orochi's going to descend upon us, X, Y, Z, like little stuff like that. <laughs> and thinking back on it, nobody mentioned that the entire weekend. <laughs> like, like, the, like, the, like the tournament, the tournament just kind of came and went and we were like after the tournament, cause you know, we finished on Saturday. So, you know, after the tournament, like we just chilled, like we went to the casino, we, we hung out in some of the suites, like little, you know, little stuff like that. It is just like, and that, like that, like now that I'm home and I'm thinking back on it, I'm just like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't make any like, like sacrificial offering jokes or anything like that entire weekend. It was kind of, it's kind of bizarre to me. I think everybody was focused on the fact that Street Fighter had seven thousand people, of course, and and they that, somehow that was the focus, and they somehow whittled that down to six people on time, well, relatively on time, and finished at a decent time on Sunday, and it's like how like how did they and they didn't do 8 a.m pools that was a big that was a big thing that oh that, really yeah so that was a big thing that because because when the first when the number first came out when the numbers first came out for street for all for evo for all the games everybody was saying like oh my god street fighter's gonna have like 3 a.m pools or like their pool's gonna run past midnight and all this kind of stuff like that and then rick replied to one of the people that was saying that and said oh no 8 a.m pools and i'm like how is he going to do that? So the earliest pools that weekend were at ten. They did ten a.m. pools, and I know, I know some pools started as late as I want to say seven p.m. was like the latest times that pools start, and most pools run like two hours. Hey, listen, man. God bless. God bless his team. God bless those uh, yeah, volunteers. No, Again, I still have no idea how they were able to manage it. When Rick and his team were amazing, like that whole weekend, as far like. In my personal experience, I can't speak for everyone's experience, but my personal experience, my pool started on time. My matches were, you know, were run consistently. Um, if there was an open setup, it was usually filled with another match within, you know, time permitting. Obviously, when you get towards the finals of the pool, you're going to have open setups. It is what it is. But, yeah, like, my bracket runner was great. The only the only really hiccup I really experienced was, like, badge pickup. But that came, came and went, and that's why I'm glad I did it the day before. So I didn't have to worry about, like, because I played at 1 o'clock on Friday. Yeah, I played 1 o'clock on Friday. So I didn't want to be that guy waiting in line to get his badge at like 12.45 and I'm stressing out because my pool's about to start. You know, I made sure I got it early. But no, that aside, everything went pretty smoothly. So, you know, I, I, I commend, I really commend Rick and his team for running that event as well as they did. And now you're back home. You mentioned already you're going to take a little bit of a break. You're going to head over to Summer Jam in a couple of mm-hmm. weeks. Afterwards, you're going to take a break until NEC. You're going to be working on your content creation. You're going to see if you could uh, do a couple of first twos against some international competition because the rollback nightclub for the game has gotten better. You want to you want to make uh, your, your level that much higher in the game. You want to be known as one of the best players for KOF 15. I know the road to being the best is like really long and really rocky. So I already have it in my mind like so the, the way I think when it comes when it comes to gauging my personal skill level or my growth as a player, I know I'm not going to be rubbing shoulders with like the best of the best in Asia anytime soon if I even get to that level. I've come to terms with that, but I at least want to be recognized among my peers saying, all right, if, if like, if, like, if, like, if, uh, if pools come out for an event, I want people to be like, oh shit, I got DZ in my pool. 
like that's the mindset that uh, that fear. I have. Right. Like, not even just fear, but like I just want a recognizable name. Yeah. And I mean, I'm starting. I'm starting to get to that point because like I've met so many cool people doing this, and you know, form connections with a lot of people. So a lot of people just know me just for just you know just for being around. But I also I also want that to be like, okay, this is one of the people that like is a favorite in the pool. And I've already and and, and I've already noticed that with um like with the way like the seating goes because you know with Start GG you could do like the uh. The projections and the predictions and all kind of stuff right, like that when right. you look at the bracket. And a lot of my events recently have me predicted to get out of the pool either in winners or losers. So I'm kind of reaching that point already, but I kind of want to go, not even kind of, I definitely want to go further than that. Where do you think uh, USKOF as a whole is going to be in a couple of years? Or is it going to be just nothing but the Asians and Latin Americans uh, uh, no, no, forever no, 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 no. ruling the game? Um, American KOF is going to keep playing the game at, at bare minimum until the next one comes out. We did that with 14. We did it with 13. You know, it, it's... So, the... I actually just had a conversation about this yesterday. American KOF, one, exists. We, we we get a lot of we catch a lot of strays from Europe and Asia, like, oh, America doesn't play KOF. We play. We might not be we might not be as strong as Mexico on average or as Asia, but you cannot deny the fact that we come out and support the game. We come out and play the game. Oh yes. Um because uh, one thing I noticed is that when SNK announced their um their world championship that America has a decent amount of stops and I was seeing people in the comments from Europe, from uh, some from Europe, some from Asia, some even from Latin America, say, "Oh, why does why does uh, the United States have so many stops? Like they don't play KOF and stuff like that." And it's like that it hurts because we not only play the game, but we do so much for the game. Not we to mention, play- the majority of majors are in this country. Are in America, <laughs> yeah. So regard, so like, so think of it this way: even if America didn't show up for KOF like that. If most of our events for KOF are in America, that Mexico has to travel to, that Asia and Europe have to travel to, we're going to get the stops. It is what it is. You can either come out and be part of the stops, or you could just let us rock. Like we, we get so much shade from other regions, and it pisses me off, honestly, like being pretty blunt about it, because you can say what you want. You could be a better player than me. You can be... We could play a we could play a first to ten and I'll lose zero and ten well to ten OCVs, but you will you will at least respect the fact that I show up to play. Of course, that's that, that's that's a, that's a great way of looking at it. And that's all I and that's all I ask. That's all I ask from these other regions. If you want to if you want to talk crap and say you know oh well you know no, there's never any American players in Evo top eight or whatever. All right, that might be true, but if you look through that player list. There was a healthy amount of American competition in that list. Definitely, and a lot of and a lot of us got some really good. A lot of us got really good placements, and a lot of us, uh, not even a lot of, um, a lot of us got really good placements, and some of us even managed to take out some of the international players who were favorites to not only make top eight but to win the entire thing. You know, some of those, some of those players lost to Americans. You know, a friend of the show, Dark Geese. He's a uh, you know he's very opinionated when it comes mm-hmm. to this stuff. That guy's. 
he's been dealing with with that KOF uh, organizing stuff for almost fifteen years. So I, right. I you know, you got to respect his opinion. He he's been there. He's done gone through those trenches with all that crazy stuff. But he, let me ask you this, because he's got a very good opinion about this. After mm. Evo, uh, excuse me, before Evo, uh, what was it called? Smash Factor X down in Mexico. E.T. Right. managed to go down there. And I believe he got third. Dark Angel, Peruvian player one. Now, here comes Evo. Zhao Hai is there. E.T. is there. A couple of Mexicans are there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there were a lot of international players, but his... His claim is that because a lot of the top Mexican players, top Peruvians, a lot of a lot of Ecuadorians, you know, a lot of Latin America obviously right. plays that game. A lot of them were not able to go because even with months in advance, they were just not able to get their visas. Um, Zhao Hai, after Evo, played Dark Angel in an online match, first to seven, and mm-hmm. he beat him easily seven to two. We all know it's online. But to the point, Dark East's opinion is, Unless we get everybody in a country and an event where visas are not going to be a problem, we really will never know who the best KOF player is. What do you think of that? I can some I can somewhat agree. I somewhat agree with that. I know online play is always going to have an asterisk next to it. And by the way, don't get it wrong. He knows how high is a ridiculously good player. Of course. You know, but it's been proven that Kula, if people don't know who that is, that's uh, one of the top. Um, vanilla 2k2 players he went right. over to china and he went over to japan and he wrecked everybody over there right uh yeah again if you guys don't know uh, vanilla 2k2 is a religion down in, in Latin it, it's America. a re- oh my god it's they, a they, religion they, they do breathe not stop o2 yeah and um, thanks to and thanks to dark geese's uh efforts you know some of them are moving towards neo geo battle coliseum samurai showdown uh a lot of them are picking up neo wave KOF eleven, oh yeah, but st- <laughs> I have my opinions of that game. It's, it's of course, fun, of course. But once I saw the angel, um, you know, infinite again, I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. But, but what no, do you I, think of that? I I agree that it's kind of hard to gauge who really is the best when it comes to X region versus Y region because there's a lot of red tape for getting players out to events. Like there, I know Mexico has not only just Mexico but Latin America in general. They have a lot of very very good players that have not gone to an event in america or asia or anywhere else because they they just can't they either can't get the visa or they can't afford to travel or or, world countries right or whatever the case may be like they don't have the means right they don't have the means to make it to the event and while we can say stuff like oh yeah well you know part of the skill of competing is being able to show up but while you that's the you can say that but if you want to talk about raw skill, I we it, I can't give it to one region or the other because there's a again just like just like Latin America has a lot of players that couldn't make it out because of X Y Z reason whether it be the visa travel or whatever. There's a lot of players in Asia that are really good that can't make it to Evo or good can't point. make it to whatever the case may be. It's not just Latin America, so so they they can say stuff like. We it's we, we can't really say who's the best because we you know they have a player who they might have a player that could beat Zhao Hai, but for all we know, there could be some unknown over in Asia that whose name doesn't travel outside he of the region. Be, he could be that, better than Zhao Hai. Exactly, and we don't know that because they don't they 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 can either not compete because they don't want to, or they can not compete because you know they don't have the means to. Because even in America, there's some players here in America who are really really good. They just but don't they travel. don't. 
well, not even just don't travel. Some of them don't like, uh, they don't like tournaments. They don't want to play in tournaments. Yeah, and that's the case with a lot of things. I mean, Afro said it best. He's like, think about this for a second, Raph. Arsene Nash won EVO for the fourth time. He is by far and away proven to be the best Tekken player. Mm-hmm. You know, and by the way, again, kudos to Dark East because he's the one who actually got Arslan to uh, move out to um, come to tournaments because right. he's been trying to show, um, you know, shine a light on Pakistan players. But what Afro said, he's like, think about this. He's won evil four times. He's been proven to be the best Tekken player. There's probably somebody in Pakistan who who just watches him all the time, too. And that's scary. It's scary. But the way that I think about it is. That the thought of the thought of a player being better than Arslan, the thought of a player possibly being better than Zhao Hai or or you know or Kula or whoever else. It's mind boggling. It, it you know, it's 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 mind boggling. But the way that I approach it in my mindset, it's mind boggling, but I'm not afraid of them until I see their name in the bracket. There you go. When and that's not and that's not that's not me trying to talk shit. That's not me trying to insult them or anything like that. Because people have their reasons for not competing, and there's in the and they're valid reasons. I'm not going to twist anybody's arm to entering a tournament if they don't want to do that. But to me, the best player in the world is the is the one who wins all the events. Like Arslan's won four four like he's won four evos for Tekken Seven. As far as I'm concerned, he's the best player in the world. But if there's a player better than him, okay, we don't know that because we don't. They don't come out to compete against him, because playing fighting games or any competitive game in particular, there's two skill sets. Because there's your general skill set, which is like, okay, how good are you at the game, and then there's your tournament skill set. Because not only in tournament do you have to be better than your opponent, you also have to be more adaptable than your opponent. You have to be able to recognize patterns or you know things that they do and learn how to counteract against them. You can know all the combos and safe jumps and all kinds of stuff, frame traps, you know, X, Y, Z in the book. But if you don't know how to adapt to whatever I'm throwing at you, I'm probably going to beat you. Two hours and ten minutes in. <laughs> Amazing interview, DZ. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Of course, of course. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you're definitely gonna. We're definitely gonna get another episode in eventually in the future. Oh, see look, where everything. Let me is know anytime. <laughs> uh, I hope everybody listening in, uh, they learned something about again your favorite content creator's favorite content creator. You know, one uh, <laughs> one of, one of KPB is definitely you know one of the top stars here. And uh, before we go out, man, any shout outs, any, uh, you know, anybody's name you want to put out there for uh, for how far you've come in this scene? First and foremost, I got to shout out the team. Got to shout out KVP. Of course. You guys, course. they've done more for me than anybody has done for me in this scene. So I greatly appreciate that. Definitely want to shout out to, you know, New York KOF scene because they're, they're, they're like my second home when it comes to, like, bettering myself in the game so you know you got rome aru you know you got the lunar phase guys who put on events the list goes on like there's so many people i can name we'll be here for hours if i name them all but i really want to shout out to you know the new york homies and um just in general like anybody anybody who has a passion for playing these games and it doesn't even have to be kof so setting game in general if, if you show up to, to fgc events and you whether you're just entering and competing, you're running brackets, commentating, TOing, whatever the case may be, you could just be the guy who punches the brackets into the paper brackets into start GG at the end of the day. 
if, if you're doing something to help these events run the way that they do, then shout out to you because you guys are definitely the backbone of what keeps us going. And with that, man, again, I want to thank you very much. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, just talking all your experiences. Thank you once again. That's uh, Wendell Franklin. You guys know him as DZ. How do you pronounce the last name again? Kujaku. <laughs> I'll get it eventually. Yeah, you'll get it eventually. Like, like it, my, my, my tag has been butchered like three ways to Sunday, and, and it actually blows my mind because my actual name has also been butchered that much. So it's just like, one of these days, I'll, I'll pick a name that people could just say with DZ. <laughs> just, say, just, just pick DZ and that's it. We'll all yeah, be happy, right? So, most people just call me DZ, and I'm like, you know what? That's fine by me. <laughs> Dude, again, man, thank you once again, and we'll talk into the future. And that was a very fun episode. Thanks a lot, man. No problem. This has been a KPD Media Works production. <laughs>